Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Let's Talk More Movies, the show where I try and talk about movies, but never talk about anything and everything else. I am your host, Michael Breslin. To my left is... Daniel Killam. Also to his left... Jan Cole. And to my right... Kiva Sweeney. Whoop! Is that the police? Call the police! For some reason, that was the first thing that came to me. <laughs> it's been a long week. <laughs> Also, we're here and sent his apologies that he can't be here this week. He has chose. He has chose to go drinking. It's not part of his recuperation. He just chose to go and get fucked up. Nah. Well, you can't <laughs> do that here. Like. <laughs> <laughs> How's everybody's week been? Long, really long. long. It, it felt. I, I don't know about anybody else, but it's felt ages since we've done the last podcast for some reason. Yeah, I was saying to you just before, but I think that's the fact that I got sacked on Monday. So, <laughs> 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 so my days have been way longer than usual. <laughs> I'm wide open, baby. <laughs> I'm adjusting back on the unemployment. <laughs> Must be a little bit. Come on, Sean. <laughs> yeah, I'm at the same time, I feel like a scumbag. <laughs> but you are a scumbag. I'm a scumbag. <laughs> Dan, how's your week been? Oh, it's been grand. Can't complain, but. uh. Uh, very busy. Yeah, well, how so busy? Just work. You know, something that you wouldn't know much about. But <laughs> 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 I love that as well. <laughs> Dan cracked that first unemployment. It was my first time. I've been unemployed three days. First time unemployed in 11 years. <laughs> I know. It's, it'd be interesting to see how long we can keep the unemployment jokes going before it starts getting sad that you don't actually have a job. <laughs> you have a couple of weeks in it, I, but then that's it. I think there's a three-week wonder there. <laughs> After three weeks, then it's like, oh, no, Shan's going through some shit. Like, oh, don't, don't bring it up. Don't bring it up. <laughs> <Shan's getting> <laughs> Kiva, how was your week? Um, Pretty good. Long. Not really so much because of work. Just We very much liked your gig on Tuesday night. Oh, thank you. Kiva Thanks, plays man. music, too. I attempt to play uh, Ever Living covers. They're they're pretty good. They're pretty stuff. Don't even pick myself up. Pretty good. <laughs> kind of a big deal. <laughs> if you close your eyes, you think it's Avril Lavigne. <laughs> and she <Being> covers <laughs> from Derry. <laughs> <laughs> I like how you, I meant to say this to you the other night. Something I noticed is that during your covers, you pronounce the O words like a Derry person instead of putting on the American twang or whoever the singer is you're doing. I like that. It's uh, only something I've recently acquired the ability to do. You make it your own. I yeah. like it. Danger battle. Are we allowed to look under the table now? See you provided. No, I look under the table. Oh. So what was in the fridge then? There was someone else in the fridge we couldn't look at. Yeah, man, many secrets. The things in the fridge are now under the table. Ah, <laughs> so it's the same thing. Fuck's sake, I thought we were getting two surprises. Ice no, cream. there is two surprises. <laughs> 
Ice Ghost, did you say? Chad, I was inspired by you last week. You had a wee, you had a wee aperitif, and then the the main course. Yes, they were both bogging, but that's uh, besides that'll point. no longer be happening because oh no, the, just come. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> you went all out last week. <laughs> Fucking two danger bottles, twenty box of fags, never happening again. Shan's danger bottle, like Shan, it's it's okay. You don't have to bring us through your like filled up bottle of coke. <laughs> Just bringing a bottle of water. I, no, I, I put mint leaves in it. It's an aperitif. Okay, so we first have some baby shower. Hey. <laughs> it was a toss up last week between because that's like two pound or two fifty as well, isn't it? Two fifty for 250. four bottles. It was a toss up between that and the snowballs last week, but I'm glad you got them. I. I definitely have had baby sham before, but I have no clue what they taste like. Yeah. I've never I've heard of it. You know what they say, baby what sham for my friends, know? sham babies for my enemies. <laughs> right. <laughs> baby sham original. Can I have one? I am getting, getting so you I know, just... refreshing. <laughs> so, all right, sham camp. <laughs> well, you know, when you're unemployed, you can't have a nail You take what you can get. <laughs> uh, refreshing, sparkling, Perry. What is Perry? There's no additional information. I don't, is it kind of like Lambrini or something? Perry not, like something, just yeah. a shit. Yeah, that's champagne what it's like. On the, but it looks like is like a no, shit. No, uh, it's like it's fizzy wine. Isn't it? I like yeah. the I like the wee picture of a deer. It kind of looks like lint made Bambi. <laughs> <laughs> but what it is, <laughs> it's just like alcoholic Bambi. What it is, that's wholesome. I remember as a wee. Yeah, with, with a shock at the end. Kiva, that will take you back to your uh, underage drinking days, definitely. Do you like my bottle opener that's also a USB stick? And all of it is. <laughs> What's you put this? it on your and it tells you that cocktails do it. Yeah. The best thing about it, it's it's a fake it's, it's a fake USB stick. I what? I got it from work. Like, we got sent a bunch of like display model like USBs that you can get your name put on and all like logos and shit like that. So it took that long because it was a bottle opener. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'll have it. Well, in all fairness, I've had baby sham before, but I always remember that it's it's grand. Like fuck, I'm actually very surprised. It's six percent. Uh, it's strong enough. Jesus Christ! I mean, usually you get we dumpy balls like this here, and they're about two, two and a half, especially for like fuzzy wings. Shall we all cheers up once? Here we go. To the podcast. Cheers. Also, to the fortieth episode, which we didn't mention. We'll do that at the end, right? Nothing. Just spoil the surprise, anyway. <laughs> well, I'm sure they can work it out. <laughs> episode forty. I got grand. That is just Lambrini, like I'm in. Aye. It's it's kind of just like. Lemonade, but just where we kind of whiny aftertaste. I would say it's more like Freshino, less oh. like Lambrisco. Touching on Lambrini, oh, but it's no Freshino. <laughs> do you spit yours out, Kiev? You doing a testing party over here? We used, I swear, when we used to drink that Lambrini shit, like the bottle was about 10 times the size of this, <laughs> and you'd have to drink the whole thing yourself for it to be effective. It still was because <laughs> if, if, you Tesco, if you go on the Tesco, Lambrini is right beside Bibisham. Only it's like you say about five times the size. Always, I was like an endurance test though. It was like getting, <laughs> it was like getting Frosty Jacks as a wine. Like that's why I says do the all right. If you ever even got past the muddle level of Frosty Jacks, you were doing well. Yeah, wouldn't remember your own man's name, like, but you were doing well. What's the second? What's the main? Well, I need to do a bit of preparation here. I have four, oh. I have four plastic cups. I was wondering where you brought them. What is going on? And how much does this cost, Michael? Did you stick to the rule? Yeah, it's a. Uh, all in all, it was four pound fifty. Jesus, and, and the baby shower. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck me, what's coming? But, but, <laughs> but before I show you what's going on in the cup, you need some ice. Okay. So I've made her buy some ice. They finally fucking shelled out a pound for ice, which I've been chasing them for the past no. couple weeks. Oh, oh, oh Death Star ice. Death Star ice. Oh my god. He last, was so proud of this last week. <laughs> la- la- last week, 
uh, I got because Gio said he sent me like a present. It wasn't a Christmas present; it was an Advent present. Because Gio, formerly of this podcast, does like a competition thing every Advent where he he puts up a question every day, and then if you get the question right, if you're the winner for that day, he sends you a prize. And I got it right one day, but I've been waiting on this prize the last week <laughs> i was even messaging about it it's like hey some... have you fucking sent something yeah to me? actually as well i won one and i still haven't got that prize. oh really <laughs> so, yeah, you, you owe me. <laughs> so uh i so eventually i got it through one of the wee dockets from the postman saying oh we have something for you down at the post office it's too big for the like he's like a wee letterbox we lit christmas and it's like fuck it's too big for the letterbox must be big enough and i'll say i went down i went down to the post office Literally just the tiniest fucking ball-shaped thing. I was like, how the fuck could it... It's squishy. It's silicone. How could he not get this through the letterbox? It literally just didn't even try. It See, locked out as well. That's not going on. At that point, were you thinking, Jimmy, no, I don't like cricket. <laughs> <laughs> but I opened it, and it's just this kind of blue ball thing. And I was like, what the fuck is here? And I seen it said Star Wars at the bottom. I was like... How is this related to Star Wars? Like he's interest picked at this point. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> so then I opened up and you see all just the wee uh, Death Star detail on the inside. And then I realized it was a uh, Ice Cube Death is, Star maker. It is fucking classic. Obviously, I know it's right. really good. I know what the listeners can't see it, but the detail on the ice is fucking incredible. I actually I actually was like Googling it all. Because all, like, I, have, I have maybe about 11 or 12 Death Stars on here. This took me all week. <laughs> <laughs> Because it only makes one at a time, obviously. And it, aye, because See, that's where Darth Vader fell down and you would succeed. Yeah, you know, I made it. Yeah, <laughs> you only make one, but you make 12. Uh, even if it takes you a week, you'll still do it. Back up, Death Stars. Oh, one but, thing I was going to say, too, is, uh, Guy, in regards to you getting that really fucking sweet Death Star ice maker machine, whatever the fuck it is. Ice maker machine. What did I get? I can't buy a Top Gun, the pack of rainbow drops. That's what I got of you. But you see, because I, I did one... Like, no, fairness, I can't complain. It's free. I, it's a free <laughs> fucking copy of Top Gun. No, because in all fairness, I think I won like on the 20th or the 21st, like really close to Christmas, and he, he had put up a post saying, oh, the next, the last few days is going to be better prizes. Like, so I, I, just, I just won on the right time. Just after payday. Yeah, you know what's really bad as well is that he got me a pair of Christmas socks when it was two years ago, and you know, they have baubles on them. Like, they're so obvious that they're not proper socks but sometimes when a man gets desperate he may have to put on those that pair of socks on just normal random days only once i've been called on it and it's so embarrassing actually <laughs> sitting at a bar and so it's all damn what's up with those socks and then you're like oh jesus how often do you look at a man's socks like, hey, how's your balls hanging out your ankles like, you know, like... <laughs> right jingle bells i have this danger bottle right okay Hang on. show it present it this was two pounds. Shake the bags. Ah, <laughs> no, I've had this before. It's fucking awful. It's Crofter's apple cider. Oh, I fucking hit cider. It was cider. two pound for two liters. Five uh, percent alcohol. <laughs> Could have been pretty bad. <laughs> I said as well. I don't want to get but, that drunk. And but I'll just go buy beer anyway. It's, no, it's but. This is this is why you have the ice. This is why you have the Death Star. The Death Star will make everything all better exactly. because it'll make it nice and cold and it'll be nice and refreshing. Yes. Do you, you think, right, just, shit just maybe they can like, get a bit of a taste fusion going on we fuck up a little baby sham under the crafters? If you want to. Oh, yeah, some of that. You what did you call that? A baby craft? <laughs> a craft sham? <laughs> Choose. Like craft sham? Craft sham? Uh, yeah, Crofshire just sounds like a village in England. No, because I nearly said. Would you like a Crofshire? Have you tasted our finest? Maybe Shaman Crofters. 
with oh, with a Death Star ice cube. <laughs> it needs a Death Star ice cube, or it's not a proper <laughs> a, de- a Death Crusher. <laughs> we really should start like you know less talk about previous cocktails. I know we come up with the puns, but you know we have we have had one cocktail that jumps a suck. Do oh, you remember what it is? Uh, just is it? No, you correct me if I'm wrong. I can't remember the key components. Is it boxed red wine? Seven up. I forget the rest. <laughs> well, you're already wrong. <laughs> it is seven up, wasn't there? No, but the, it's not red wine. It was fucking. What's the drink that's primarily red wine? Sangria. Sangria. <laughs> that's nice. so sangria. It was boxed sangria. I. Was there vodka in it? Because <laughs> I think we all just kind of went round in a circle and tapped it on. So it's vodka, seven up, sangria, and I think it was just standard. But no, it was box fizz. Box fizz. Box fizz, sangria, and then lemonade, and then it had a wee red wine topper. That's right. <laughs> wee red wine topper. I was with Dominic there the other uh, week, and uh, when I go back to this house party, there was lots of drink to choose between. So uh, we ended up making a cocktail. Now, I couldn't, for the life of you, tell, me, tell you what's in it, but uh, it was called The Absent Father. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I think it's a fantastic name for a cocktail. Oh, a one proper. absent father, please. <laughs> Especially in Dom's also tones, which I'm not going to imitate. Oh, are, are we actually making craft shams here? Aye, can we make some are craft shams? I'm going to throw even a baby sham on there. Aye, well, how, how, how much are we going for here? Ah, just whatever you want. Ah, just the whole bottle. Right, we'll have a sip in, so it's <laughs> so it's baby sham and craft. Oh, I like how when you pour it in, the Death Star like rotates. Yeah, <laughs> it's like what it's actually in space. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, oh, it's bad. I'm kind of <laughs> scared because I poured the whole bottle oh, of baby sham. It doesn't even smell good. It just t- it tastes like baby sham with vinegar in it. It's so bad. You know? <laughs> <laughs> that sort of taste of sour oh, just reminds me of being like 19, having Aye. no money, and like sitting up in the park and Wait, drinking. I've, I've, always had, I've always had this theory as well. Uh, I think the reason that I don't like cider so much, I will drink fucking anything. I'll drink dish water if you give me it right. But the only reason that I think I kind of go away from cider so much is because it's the first alcoholic drink I ever had so I associate I think subconsciously cider with like throwing up and kind of get yeah. used to drinking and getting a stomach for it and stuff like that Aye. one thing we didn't bring up too you didn't even mention it I said how was your week <laughs> and Dan Killen says oh no grand just working which one of your best friends on earth organised a surprise birthday party for you now let's be fair that birthday party was on Saturday the Aye. week starts on Monday no well it's the, the podcast week the podcast Friday to Friday all right that week was incredible. Like, <laughs> I mean, my friends just really pulled out all the stops. You know, got a cake, got a surprise party. Had to stand there like a dick for 30 seconds while everybody sung happy birthday at me. Didn't know what to do. But uh, no, it was very good. Thank you very much. I made the man brownies and everything. I came out of the house. <laughs> <laughs> it's right, Mickey came out of the house. <laughs> what I love too is when Dan first came in to get a surprise, like all you were had behind my curtain. Like there must have been about, about, was, 10, people, about 10 or 11 people behind that curtain. And Dan just walked in. They can catch on for about 30 seconds. There was 11 people behind the curtain. He's all showing much a cow cow by land. Like, fucking. <laughs> 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 and he just burst out behind the curtain. What the fuck? You took your time? I was giving I know, because we didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> it was very party planned. It was literally we knew Dan was walking in the door. He was like, right, we need to hide. So everyone hid behind the curtain. What else do you need to know? As soon as you hear someone come in the room, you just dive out. But he wasn't the first person in the room. <laughs> Why not? I don't know. I think I was, but then it's couldn't see. To be fair, they yeah, we had a curtain in front. Just give you the signals. Made your hands. Hey, we can't see. Shamrock. No, somebody was curtain. peeking out. I think well, it was. Let's not complain. It went very, very well. Hey, I was suitably surprised. It's not. It's not like you was all. Oh fuck! I can see them. I'm Surprise away. room. Surprise room. Good enough. Exactly. 
Did you enjoy her cake when it was shaped like a hole? I did enjoy that, yeah, very much so. I had a dump arrested today, I'm sorry again. Oh, are you serious? What? I mean, it's been sitting for a week. Yeah. <laughs> it's not going to be edible anymore. Like, Why didn't you take it home, me? Well, I was steaming, like, and it was nine in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't remember your name at that point, to be honest, Mickey. Two, I'm sorry, I don't remember the cake. Two very fair points that Dan just made there. <laughs> he was barely getting picked up by a taxi anyway, never mind carrying a big conspicuous tinfoil. Big exotic cake. Like you're picking Dan up at nine in the morning. Big exotic cake, and that. You wouldn't take me to the buyer, would you? <laughs> <laughs> I've seen that the buyer are doing like a ladies' night where they're having like male strippers and free champagne for a fiver. Oh, really? <laughs> free champagne for a fiver? Well, it's a fiver, <laughs> but you get a free champagne. You do realize though, those male strippers are probably just people who like working the chippy up the street or something like that. It, it, it looks <laughs> Lateral chipping deals. I'm sorry, looks... I cannot believe. <laughs> the full body. Oh, yes. <laughs> Okay, what have we watched this week, folks? Kiva. Uh, this week I watched Tremors. Oh, Tremors, which as Ron Underwood, I think. Yes. And nineteen ninety, it's got Kevin Bacon, and then I didn't really know anybody else in it. I always forget your man's name. He was a big character actor in the nineties. Uh, we'll get it. He can IMDb it. It's alright. Continue. Oh, can I? Fred Ward. <laughs> yeah, he's actually he's he would have been Colin Farrell's dad in the new series of True Detective. Oh, right, yeah, yeah, I remember, I remember him, yeah. yeah. Anyway, continue. I've well, written down Fred Ward, anyway. Yeah, that's so. Fred Ward, it definitely is. Um, <laughs> oh, were you searching there? Sorry. No, just, don't matter, come on. Um, Call to me. All right, so it's kind of like, it's like a sci-fi, western, kind of horror, comedy, throwback the 1950s creature feature. Yeah. And it's the first time I ever seen it in my life, and w- really? oh, what have I been missing? <laughs> oh, I was so, and then oh, they're so gross. <laughs> so it's basically these kind of like underground, like subterranean slugs, sort of giant worms, worms, worms slugs that uh, hunt hunt people from underground, and they kind of they got wee like tentacles that come out and like suck you underground, but they're they're quite intelligent. Uh, they've been taken out generators they're figuring out they, they like feel the vibrations and uh, it's pretty much uh kevin bacon and your other guy they're kind of like <laughs> they're kind of like cowboy they're kind of like cowboy caretakers they kind of <laughs> they really kind of beat about in this old truck doing random odd jobs and they're like yeah we're living the free life but they're just poor and living in their van <laughs> <laughs> but they seem to be having a crack about it like um that's one thing i like though this film every character is quite out there and um stand alone in their kind of ways of they're, they're quite caricatures i suppose they yeah I, I love the, the husband and wife that just have all the guns and all. They're fucking hilarious. <laughs> I think he's the only... I can never remember that character's name, but he's the only character that is in every single Tremors. I remember he said, uh, all Tremors, what have I been missing? All the rest of them. There's like five <laughs> of them. <laughs> right, so that's, that's my... Is there five of them? I thought there's like four But the second one's like meant to be okay, isn't it? And the rest of them are pretty poor. I think just even... It's, it's one I want uh, compared to the original non-stand-up Do, ones. Oh, like, Manish Returns, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, I think right, I've right. seen the fourth one and they've like mutated and they like be kind of small pig creatures or something. <laughs> like it's on really Of course they have. <laughs> <laughs> Trotters. That's right. That's pretty good. That's all. I'm not. I like that couple too. They, the kind of like gun happy, trigger happy couple. They're, Aye, they're like the survivalists. Like they have a 
uh, bomb shelter and all his aircraft like how good's that scene though in Tremors I think it's like near enough the best scene in the, in the film where the slug is coming for their like kind of bunker with all their weapons and shit like that and the way that scene's built up you're, you're all thinking, oh get out get out get because out, they're yeah. secondary characters you think to yourself right maybe Kevin well Kevin Bacon definitely and your woman and then maybe Fred Ward's seeing this film out alive and you're thinking your man and his wife are fucked because <laughs> you know it's, you usually get these gun toting nuts in every film who are usually one of the first to go because they're too gung ho but not but it's the fact that he just fucking blasts them away like completely <laughs> completely subverts what you're expecting like. yeah like you do kind of expect like they're all get on the roof you don't know what you're yeah. up against you and they're just standing they're all like we're fine we got our guns you're all you're dead <laughs> <laughs> but then they they shooting the crap out of them, run on run out of guns, and they turn around. And they have a whole arsenal behind them. They're all yes, <laughs> and they're on the roof like making bombs. So what do you make them out of? The proper uh, household chemicals and the right amount. He's <laughs> 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 made about fifty bombs on us. No, it's proper like he's measured out like, like magnesium and like I don't know what the metals are, but it's like they're know, it's on proper it. Proper just like dynamite basically. I like you were saying too that the. It's like a throwback, that creature feature. It is 100%. It's it's a 1990 B-movie, but it wants to be a B-movie. Like. Yeah. It's oh, just, yeah. it's it's bringing up all I am tropes because it's not only now, but it plays it for laughs, like, and it's it's brilliant. It's it, it does it so well, too, because you were saying that it combines so many elements because it's, like, a monster movie and there's kind of a wee bit of horror on there and it's, uh, like, a, a Western, too, because it's set out in, like, well, like Arizona or something, in the plains, yeah, Arizona, I, the I think it's called, the, the village that they're in is called, like, Perfection Valley or something. I think it's in um, Nevada. You were saying a couple weeks ago when I was talking about Bone Tomahawk <coughs> and I said the, the, the town in Bone Tomahawk is called Bright Hope and you're all you know for a fact. So <laughs> <laughs> is definitely going to go wrong in perfection. Like, I you know. Know. <laughs> uh, it's like, where are they... Where are they living fucking Sun's Anarchy as well? It's charming California. Uh, it's charming. <laughs> and it's just like, you can't name your towns. This is like, did, if did it's too nice. Did you ever place, uh, New Mexico, Truth or Consequences? Uh, it's, so it's an weird. actual place called oh, really? Truth or Consequences. Yeah, but yeah. Me, me and Tony used to say that... Uh, that sounds like a scary version of like uh, Truth or Dare. I might be wrong, you know, but I think it's actually named after it's a, it's a, named after it's a TV, TV show. show. Yeah, yeah, it was like advertising they did, but then the it just sort of caught on, and obviously the TV show's done now. It was and, uh, it was it was named after like a west. I think it was like a western TV show set in Texas, Culture for Consequences, and then I think like you were saying, they tried to rescind the name, but because it got so much tourism because of it, they wanted to keep it. We talked about that before, though. America's got some fucking weird, not not weird, but kind of just quirky. Name places? We live about, what, 10 miles, not even, away from a place called Muff. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, mate, we've got a few ourselves. I was, I meant to say that, well, I meant to say to you, actually, before we started. I was uh, walking the dogs the other day. I had them out at the park. Unemployed, obviously, I can do this now. During the day. <laughs> but uh, I seen this van, and it said, like, J. Doherty Photography. And you know the way you always see those things, like it's Paris, London, New York? On the back of this boy's van, it was all J. Doherty Photography. Paris, London, Muff. <laughs> so, <you're> like, <laughs> we like him. We like him. We like him a lot. Tremors, I, I thought it was great. I, I'm i definitely going to attempt to. I'm not expecting the rest of them to impress me too much, but I think I'll definitely enjoy watching them. See, like, the rest of them too, even though I was saying that they're not, because, I mean, Tremors is not only kind of naff, but executes it really well, whereas, like, the rest of them are naff, but they're just kind of shit too. But they're, they're kind of charmingly cheesy you know what I mean they're charmingly bad it's it's yeah. that sort of thing that's like, so good it's a bad thing but uh, it's better crack right? maybe not a, so much but uh, it is a better crack I think it'd be a good like watch it with a couple of people and like have a lot you know 
I'm not going to sit in like watch by myself. You know, I think yeah. you have, need to be able to laugh at They're it. They're very watchable films, which we'll come to later. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you said I so watch. bad it's good as well. I've got a recommendation that completely fits that bill. Oh, I think I might know what it is because you've been chatting about it recently. But right, anyway. Let's stop teasing the rest of the show and just tease the listener. It's after dark. Uh, one more thing about Tremors. I mean, we just watched it a lot as kids for some reason. I don't know if it was always on or whatever. But I mean, one time we were sitting down to watch it, and I was sat on the floor, and my sister turned around and was like, you're not going to watch this sitting on the floor, are you? <laughs> <laughs> so then I got up in the cinema. <laughs> I didn't realize. No, I, thought, I didn't know, I thought there one more thing. Like, it just reminded me, it's not really anything to do with it, but I found quite funny in it, the, the kind of, well, Kevin Bacon and your man, they, they kind of become... They have to kind of become the sheriffs, so the only two that can like ride horses well or something, and they go out to kind of investigate this crime scene until they're just like taking everything as it comes, and then they they see that the car, like a car, has been like sucked down under, and it's like buried beneath the ground, and the two of them are just all get out, they fuck, they're just going and going and going, like they would, if they didn't come across one of the big monsters on their way, they would have left everybody, they were away. <laughs> because obviously it's trying to take a piss out of itself, I love that Kevin Bacon and Fred Ward are never presented as being heroic whatsoever, they're just, they're not being heroic for the sake of saving people, they're oh, just yeah. trying to save their own skin, and then that's who happens, that they're saving the rest of the people too, it's classic. Definitely, every chance it comes, they just want to, like they're all, I we're onto something here. No one's discovered this. They're all big bucks. It's all about like, we can make some money. Not like, but uh, yeah, it's good. Um, what I watched this week was Happy Gilmore. Oh, I, I just I just wanted to watch a nice wee familiar comedy. Mm. Those are two movies I. Watched all the way throughout like my childhood as well. Tremors, as you said, always seem to be on, but I Happy Gilmore as well. I think we had the VHS and it was definitely wore yeah. by the end of it. I think like Happy Gilmore and Big Daddy would have been like the two Adam Sandler ones that I was kind of stuck. Even though now looking back, uh, the Wedding Singers maybe is best. Wedding Singer and Happy Gilmore I think are neck and neck for his best film. Like. I see, I, I really like the two of them, but I'd say maybe Wedding Singers is a bit better for me because it has the whole kind of romance side of it as well. I think it's just like a nice better story. And you're all romantic at heart, aren't you? Like, well no, because like the thing with the wedding singer is it's it's a funny rom com, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like there is genuine kind of comedy in there. And that's, that's what some rom coms kinda of forget that you need to have some comedy in there as well, yeah, not just the romance part. Would you call it a sports com? But you hit sports maybe well, that's there, what you don't there is, well, no, there is a I do really like happy gilmers. There, I, there, there is a love interest, but it's Tag not I, it's just kinda in there. Like, like they meet and then they're in love kind of thing. They meet over a fine subway as well. First yeah. time I ever heard of subway in my life watching Happy Gilmore. The, I, that's a really funny thing about that film as well. Like, just the product placement of subway is so blatant that they just work it and <laughs> do the fucking thing that he becomes a s- sponsor for subway. <laughs> but it's the whole way through the film. But yeah, Happy Gilmore is just a more out and out comedy. But uh, Wedding Singer is like a rom com, and I think it's I think it just generally has a better story. But Happy Happy Gilmore is, I think. It's 90 minutes long, and I think that's a really good length for a comedy. I think no- nowadays you get kind of hour 40, two hour length comedies, and it's just too long. You just kind of need to get in, make your jokes, and get out <laughs> kind of yeah. thing. When it's like a proper, like, flat out comedy, like, I think uh, quicker is better, you know? <laughs> yeah, I would say, like, with a lot of Judd Apatow films, I get 
unbelievably bored. Hey, well, all, all his films are like 15 minutes too long. <laughs> yeah, I mean, He's I like, think this is 45. 40. This is 40. Yeah. Or funny people even. I thought that was like, what, about half an hour too long. And it's because they tacked on this story that is really just near the end to give it like a sort of emotional punch. That doesn't really work if you want to go in and see a comedy. Yeah, Funny people's kind of all over the place. Anyway. I mean, I still liked it when I watched it, but it is all over the place. Like, he's sick, he isn't sick. Oh, he's sick again. I thought it was alright, <laughs> but it's one of those ones where we've talked about before about striking a balance between comedy and drama, but it's almost like that it wanted to be a complete comedy film and a complete drama film, both at the same time, and they really just could not choose which way they wanted to go. So I think it wasn't even there was no balance. They never even intended to have a balance. They just thought, like, we'll just horse as much stuff on here as possible. But when you have somebody in there like Adam Sandler who can be a really good dramatic actor as well, like you, it could have been amazing. Like, yeah, yeah they could have done something really special. Can't be a good dramatic actor. I don't believe. I think he can. I mean, well, he's well just, in, he's in, in good Jobs, I heard he was pretty good. I've I, I never seen him. Even though he's kind of comic relief, but it's still, yeah, it's, it's still dramatic acting. Like, I think he can be. Uh, watch the Razorhead this week. Rewatched it. 1977 David Lynch and that's really massively influential and quite shocking for its time obviously everybody knows now stuff is considered lynching you know kind of abstract imagery uh, things about like suburbia the dark heart of suburbia sexualized imagery you know very much like Cronenberg at the time who a lot of people get mixed up which kind of surprised me because Cronenberg's way more on the nose way is like kind of graphic content but whatever it's besides the point uh Rewatched it again last night for the first time in ages, and it's a problem I've always had with Lynch. Uh, Why a lot of people kind of embrace Lynch and go, oh, he's, he's a master filmmaker, and that's, that's never under question, he's a master filmmaker. But I think a lot of the time, Lynch's stuff is kind of promoted up to this huge fanboy status, just for the simple fact that his images are abstract. And See, for me, a razor head is visually very striking. And it, it stays with you. I mean, like, if you've got an alien fucking baby wrapped up in a couple of sheets lying in this tenement building screaming in 1977, but the same year as fucking Star Wars, that's going to stick out to you. Like, you know what I mean? It's like the anti-Star Wars. It's like, it, it's got, I wouldn't quite say sci-fi elements, but it's got these sort of horror elements, but done really low-key. And it looks good, but it's, it essentially has no narrative whatsoever. And I even watched it last night, because it was one of those films that you kind of had to watch when you first studied film. And when I first watched it, I was kind of bowled over because it was something that I hadn't really seen before. And you can definitely see the influence that Lynch had. But watching again last night, without being told, flat out, that this is amazing, this is amazing, you can't pick faults in it. I mean, I'm nearly sure it's Lynch's first film. I'm nearly positive it is Lynch's first film. But it has no narrative. I mean, like you can kind of tell that he's trying to get across this very sexualized notion of this man he's got this seedy affair going on he's got this literal alien child and then there's these sort of images of him going to a theater and looking at this singer with these kind of fucking big weird puffed out hamster cheeks that you can tell he's kind of lusting after but other than that there's essentially no dialogue and again for 1977 massively massively ambitious but it, 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 again without those striking images i don't think that it deserves to be as lauded as what it is I think anyway I do maybe again you were saying it's a product of its time period but I think that might be a personal thing with me where a lot of lines don't get me wrong Mulholland Drive and Blue Velvet Blue Velvet are two absolute masterpieces but that's because they've got that striking imagery and these abstract thought processes going on but there's actually something backing them up whereas I think a Razorhead sometimes is just weird for the sake of being weird I think though I mean in terms of like uh, especially American filmmakers making something like that we're talking about maybe it should be maybe viewed in sort of the actual uh, context of art and maybe not just cinema, if you know what I mean, because I don't think a razor head is trying to tell a good story. No, it's more, it you know, it's more in the sense of like, you know, uh, 
you know, a naked lunch type movie. Like, I know it's, you know, Deborah Dreader came out later, but it's this sort of idea of if you, like, use imagery, or even, like, you know, a Shen Andalus, yeah. you know, it's this idea where if you use imagery that maybe means something just to yourself, but you don't actually think too much about your audience, then maybe... Some people, I know some people, just, this sort of idea just leaves people cold, but it's this sort of idea that, you know, if you connect these sort of thematic elements in your own I, head or in, like, a dreamlike state, like Salvador Dali did, and then that. maybe you might present something. I mean, obviously, it has had a great deal of influence, but I know what you mean, that, you know, he is held to this high regard that maybe... You're saying, like, I mean, obviously, and Shane and Lou by Bunuel and any sort of abstract art or any sort of abstract visual art, definitely. Like, you've got, like, films by Kenneth Anger. Uh, like the underground films, you've got even like abstract art films by fucking Andy Warhol, like the Empire State Building, which is just the Empire State Building for like eight hours continuously. And that is 100%. You know, art like that has a place in cinema because it doesn't always have to be narrative driven. It obviously has to be like the feeling that you get off it. But I am just saying that last night re-watching a Razorhead, a lot of the times I don't get that. It just seems like this disjointed mishmash images that doesn't really know what it's trying to be or if there's any sort of message behind it now definitely there's like i was saying before the messages of maybe kind of sexuality and i think as well maybe it is kind of ahead of its time in the fact i think it's talking about sexuality is like a dirty thing if there's no love in it and then that's where it can create this you know alien sort of love child thing which is quite interesting but outside that you know it I personally think it's very easy to kind of show sexuality on screen or show or even allude to sexuality on screen and Lynch does that very well but other than that I think it's a lot of filler now fair enough the film's only an hour and 28 minutes long but I think it could have been a lot shorter sometimes I watch a Razorhead and think that it's it's almost like a, an overlong sort of shooting film you know what I mean which near enough it was because I guarantee it had fuck all yeah, backing or any production values so Definitely, because I mean, even something we were saying a few weeks back, we, we, we lost River. That's the sort of film that you're talking about. Well, I was trying to be the sort of film that you're talking about mm-hmm. and being an art film and trying to have this sort of uh, this sort of imagery to make you, to make you the viewer, allude to someone else in your mind. And it wasn't kind of was disjointed and it wasn't telling you a straight story, which all enough is an R. David Lynch film called The Straight Story, but that's besides the point. Uh, Why do you keep doing this tonight? I don't know. I'm just, I'm, I'm liking the links. I'm just liking the links. No, I don't like But, uh, yeah, I just rewatched it last night for the first time in years. Maybe because I kind of taken off the rose tinted glasses of being like a sort of naive eighteen year old film student, where everything different or everything that hasn't really mm. been heard of is good. A Razorhead as art, it definitely is art, and I don't think that David Lynch in most of his narratives has never kind of set out to have a strong narrative point. It's more about what you feel and, and what you kind of think about the images that he suggests to you, and it's it's kind of it's it's a great thing too because it's the same as all art because you know every single different person can take a different thing from that film. I took a very sexualized series of images when I watched The Razorhead, but I'm just saying that I do think it's a wee bit overloaded because some it just seems a bit directionless. But maybe that just kind of points to the fact that, you know, it was, you know, I, I, I think it might have been Lynch's first film, but it just kind of points to maybe a bit of an experience. But at the same time, as a first film from a director, um, you know, it's still an unbelievably good film. An, an experience, I would say. And it's, you know, there's no, there's no surprise of why Lynch has went on to be so influential because he has films are completely different from anyone else's do you think it was because he was just masturbating to the whole <laughs> the it's directly see, one masturbating and yeah. taking cocaine that's <laughs> well, the thing as well i mean you say that you think it's you know about sex and um, you know primarily i mean whenever i watched the race i thought it was more about uh fear of being a father yeah that's what see, i that's, that's what i took from it completely 
And you know, obviously all these. But like, sort of... obviously that says something about you two then. Chance to get a sex, I'm scared of being a dad. Exactly. <laughs> Those art movies. Those art oh, movies. Oh. It was always my favorite day on Tuesdays. The uh, art the, movie day. The, you know, we had a lot of people who I started fine art. There's a lot of painters, Ooh. a lot of drug addicts, alcoholics, and uh, some sculptors. And is some this video in your artists. Class? <laughs> <laughs> this is in my class, okay. And um, the video artists, um, they had their own wee kind of like viewing room that sometimes they would just put it on for like 24 hours. So you could go in and then if you thought you could kind of write what you thought. And uh, it was, oh, it was just the best. You got to see some mad shit. Just some, <laughs> you just go in sometimes like a wee bit high and just say, oh, whoa, people are weird. That's <laughs> 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 great. Yeah. We're just talking about Lynch as well. I mean, I, I watched Inland Empire quite recently with Laura Dern. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, we were talking about that uh, Eraserhead doesn't have any narrative. Well, I think definitely Inland Empire it completely plays about just like Mulholland Drive does this idea of narrative you know you actually have a narrative that really doesn't make sense but it does if you link it up the way it shouldn't be linked yeah. up you know what I, mean? I know there's it's very very strange you probably need to go online and read a few diagrams so you get it but it's this sort of idea that he always goes back to you know this idea of the American dream or people f- fulfilling the duty that society has set out for them but then also married with this idea of like the grotesque and what is life actually about? Yeah. And I, I mean, and he just does two seconds. I just noticed that your regular drink is Death Starless. Would you like a Death Star for your? Yeah, for I would your... like a Death Star for my regular drink. Yeah. Thank you very much. I Michael. just realized that. Then they were offered you. No, Dan, you're 100 percent right as well. Obviously, it's this critique of the American dream and basically like the sort of black heart of America. It's, oh, <laughs> just splashed everyone. Uh, it's, it's a bit Sorry, difficult Kiva. to get. It didn't get me. I was trying to hold it. The I know. Just to get the <laughs> it's still fucked up. Aye. But uh, you can't need to do it dry. It's uh, going and dry. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say just tilt it. <laughs> <laughs> I just just do we Indiana Actually, Jones. Yeah, I tell he works in a bar. Told that about much better idea, Kiva. But uh, no, you're exactly right about this dark heart. I do like though, in a way. Don't get me wrong. I think it's two completely different cinematic experiences. That you're looking to go on the. If you know that you're going on the art film, you kind of prepare yourself for maybe someone like a Razorhead, which isn't going to have maybe cohesive sense or have any sort of narrative sense. But I do think that as he went on as a filmmaker, he did have at least some sort of narrative and disjointed it like an Inland Empire, like a Mulholland Drive, and fair enough, maybe it wasn't on a plate, or maybe it was, it was a straightforward, and you kind of maybe had to do up in a back room reading about it, or maybe just kind of the piece together yourself. But I just think that Eraserhead is just a bit slapdash at times, you know what I mean? And it's, it just lingers a bit too much too. But I don't know, that's just my opinion. I, I could have fucking Lynch fans going fucking mental. Lynching you. <laughs> hey! Here all night. <laughs> I was going to say lunch mob. <laughs> uh, lunch mob. Oh, fuck. Why not? I think about it. I'm just not talented enough. Uh, you're, you're too busy making links. <laughs> <laughs> um, Daniel, mm. uh, what have you watched this week? Uh, last night I watched Hyena, which is on UK oh. Netflix. It's a crime drama. Very, very dark and gritty one set in London. Uh, it's directed oh, yeah, and... Yeah, like him. Yeah, written directed by... Hit those by clean fucking lights crime dramas them capers <laughs> hit them capers oh no I love a good caper <laughs> no by the way in terms of grimness this was especially grim like I know the, I heard it's it's a pretty grim yeah, ass film there's like there's scenes in it where I find like really gratuitous and like you know they're shot very well with like this like a you know, constant handheld camera that really puts you in the situation uh, yeah I mean I did enjoy it but it's one of those things where it was like very grim 
all the way through and then at the very end it sort of throws you a wee artsy twist or something you need to think about and I don't know I think maybe they thought the script was a lot stronger than what it was but just talk about the actors in it uh, Bernard I want to get this right Ferdinando so right you didn't mm. say it into the microphone then. Let me try that again. Yeah, I was leaning over to read my phone. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's Bernard Ferdinando. Oh, that's not bad. Yeah, I don't want to call him Fernandinho after the Man City midfielder. Or just Fernando. Yeah. Or just, yeah. After Abba. Just standard Fernando then. Uh, I've seen interviews with him, you know, after watching the Fulham. I went and looked at a few of them, and it's obvious that he is nothing like his character. But in saying that, I don't think he was very good. In the lead role, you know, there's there's meant to be a sort of arc with his character. Do you not have a good laugh? It's called Hey, you know. Come on! I don't know. I was puzzled about the name as well, but apparently it's just because he's a corrupt cop and he's picking off scraps. That's why he's Ah. a Also, his hair's quite long as well. Scumbag. And he's called called Whippy Goldberg in the film. (laughs) What? She played a hyena in Lion King. Oh. Oh, well done. I'm, some, I'm making some <laughs> cracking hyena references here. I know. There's some boy listening, he's laughing away, and we're just like, what? Can anyone do an impression of a hyena? I can't. Nah. Yeah, yeah. No, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck was that? Is that a hyena? Is that a hyena? Imagine a hyena. Is that a hyena? No, I don't know what that was. But no, is that not, the hyenas not laugh like fucking lunatics? No. Aye. That's not lunatic laugh. That's not what you know you said. Is that not a no? No. That's like you a, do a hyena. You watch like anything about fucking like things? Hamster having sex or something? <laughs> <laughs> you do a hyena. I don't think you actually look kind of. You look thrown by that. You're gonna have a pain in the face. Definitely getting cut. <laughs> Go on, you do a hyena. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't dare attempt a hyena. Go on, try a hyena. Go on, <laughs> Go on keep it going. Work away. I'm working on it. Oh, you, you can't you Google hyena noises. I have it. I need a reference point to go from. Okay. The the, the the funny thing about the hyenas in The Lion King, what I always thought was funny, is that they're Disneyfied and that fucking cruel, ferocious beast. No, that was sweet, like. But <laughs> 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 no, it's. Fair, I've been called. I've been told that my laugh is like hyenas because you know, <laughs> it's quite high pitched and just yeah, it's an all out assault. Nausea. Sometimes. Hey, I wasn't far away. Oh, not that. What's that? Hey, that's what I just heard. What the? Is this an actual hyena? Oh, it's an elephant. I'm looking at it. <laughs> 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 no, but you can know it is a hyena. Where is this elephant? That's not even intimidating. I always heard a hyena's laugh was really like, <laughs> like really cackling. There. It's here. That just sounds like a boy fucking waiting for a taxi. <laughs> <laughs> Flag him on the Kiss it. Boy smoker, three final look. <laughs> <laughs> right, so hang it then. Hi. No, just to say, uh, yeah, the characters may have a sort of arc throughout it where, you know, he's going to get more desperate and make decisions that maybe he wouldn't have made at the start. Or, you know, you can see it in the scripting, but you can't really see it in the way he emotes himself. Also, as well, Stephen Graham and Neil Maskell, as well. Maskell, Maskell. Ah, uh, just Maskell. Uh, he like both of them uh, play supporting roles in this. Now, yeah, Neil Maskell was in Utopia, and also one of my favorite British films, Kill List. Super. Yeah. It's going to be my recommendation, but I'll not do it now. Yes, <laughs> you can still say it. Too. I won't nah, go on nah, there. Nah, you want to be fresh. Like and obviously, Stephen Graham. Uh, <laughs> you want to be fresh? You can't just say the name of a film. <laughs> like, go on, like. You want to surprise them? Like, I have yeah, Stephen Graham as well. You know, he's gone with a great success. Al Capone and you know what else is he been in that Tinker Tail Soldier Spy uh, This Is England obviously yeah uh, I mean, he's done fucking so much stuff I mean even like 
Stephen Graham, not, not that he's had a weird career, but Stephen Graham's always, I don't want to go on this because I want to let you finish up with your phone, but he's always kind of been about because he was he a wee butt party. He was in gangs in New York and stuff like that as well, and you mm. don't really oh, notice yeah. him. But anyway. Oh, yeah. Oh, also Pirates of Caribbean. Pirates of Caribbean, too, that's right, mate. I mean, I just say, you know, those here. Oh, are wait. Who's Stephen Graham? He's Al Capone and Boardwalk Air Pirates. Well, he's, he's a. Who is the Pirates of Caribbean? He's basically? Not, <laughs> I, this is angle. He's like one of. I don't even know. He's, he's, I, he's, he's just one of. He's just a, well, a, one of the pirates. One of the pirates. Yeah, one of the stock pirates. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Then it wasn't he. I was thinking of. Uh, but yeah, as I say, I mean, the violence can be quite graphic, and sometimes, well, there's some parts of like sexual violence which I wouldn't say are exactly gratuitous, but they're a bit over the top. I mean, compared to most British crime dramas, there's some scenes as well, drug abuse that are just they're crazy. They really threw me, and I don't know. I was really enjoying the film while those two characters were, you know, sort of more in it, you know, during the middle part. But then later on, when it became more about our lead, and we had sort of a bit of an ending that I don't think the script deserved, to be honest. You know, I'm not too sure about the film. At parts, I really, really enjoyed it. And then I thought, actually, as you say, I thought it was a lot longer than what it was. It actually only turned out to be an hour and 40 minutes. Do you and it may have felt just over two hours. Do you think that that ending was essentially just trying to be different for the sake of it and what I mean when I say it is that it was just kind of your standard sort of really gritty sort of London May Brighton-esque British crime thriller that then wanted to kind of present itself as being a wee bit more refined and thoughtful then is that what you're trying to no in terms of like you know uh, British crime thrillers I've seen you know especially involving corrupt cops I would think that it was one of definitely the better ones the things that really threw me that I think the script got ideas above a station is the use of well i didn't say gratuitous but you know the use of really impactful violence and the use of really uh impactful sexual violence in particular and then an ending which really threw you i don't know i think the writer thought that his script was a lot better than what it was yeah. or may maybe if he had had a lead actor that i could have bought on a bit more maybe i would have enjoyed it a bit more yeah so it's hard to see you don't know if it's the cast or the actual yeah person. i mean it's just one of those films that you know i really wanted to like and there's certain parts of it i mean like the handheld camera uh some of the actual plot elements as well are really well realized that you know there's a, a good few twists and turns that you don't see coming but then when they do happen they feel you know natural to the story and yeah. you know you feel that, that it's sure-footed as we always say but then there's certain elements of it where you know i just don't really enjoy so if you don't really mind violence and you sort of like those sort of gritty crime dramas then yeah i'd suggest to go watch it but you know don't be holding your breath for you know any sort of classic. Excellent, and you know yourself as well. That I mean, it's kind of actually a criticism on why the BFI hasn't got as much funding recently because they're already doing period films or they're doing the same dime a dozen kind of London gangster, British gangster films without any sort of thought put on them whatsoever. But it, it, it seems like a wee, mm. I've not seen it, but it seems like a bit of a step above that, is it? Well, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things that we brought. I mean, we brought Kill Us. Sorry, take the window to your sales, but I mean, I I adore Kill Us. I mean, it, it's a film that you really sort of need. I think bulk yourself up for because it's a very hard watch in certain places and Neil Maskell I think is fantastic I don't know what it is about him because he's not like you know he's he's not very good looking I think, or I, no, I think, that, I think that's why he's more impactful he looks like a boy off the street exactly he's, he's way more believable especially as a hard bastard or as like a kind of creepy fella than say what Brad Pitt or Tom Cruise could be that's why they say that you associate creepy people we kind of you know looking bad no but it's just that sort of stereotype that sort of bad stereotype that you have in your head but if you see some, I, I think it's the knowledge as well of Brad Potter, say Tom Cruise's past career, that you would never mm. buy them as that sort of character. But Neil Maskell looks like somebody you could see in a fucking bus station. Ah, but he's a fantastic well, actor. Brad Pitt and Snatch. Playing up the fact that it's Brad Pitt too being a pikey. Also, yeah. Stephen Graham was also in Snatch. Hey, he was in Snatch. He's fucking. He's uh, the boy. Jesus oh, the dog. Right the, uh, yeah, the dog gets fucked. Proper fucked. 
That's him. Oh. That's Stephen okay. Graham. Gotcha. Nice line. He, he has always been about done thing. Uh, he has. He's always been knocking about there somewhere. <laughs> Just one emphasis. There's you doing the links now. He, you know, he's very good in it huh? as well. But yeah, as I say, you know, unless you're willing to watch some like very gratuitous violence and you really like quite like that genre, I don't know, I wouldn't be too bothered by it, to be honest. But is it good for just making hyena jokes to your friends? <laughs> <laughs> you could do that and not watch the film, man. You do that during the entire film, though. Could you keep it up for an hour and 40? I'm sorry, my hyena's pretty me? close. I'm just saying, like, go and do it again. Yeah, it's too bogged up now. I'll, do, I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll throw you a I'm week. not a performing hyena. Nah, <laughs> I'll, I'll throw you a week curveball around you at least next week, man. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Okay, we shall move on to... Fight. Daniel? Yeah, just, I mean, looking at Hyena and thinking that, you know, there were some supporting actors there that I thought were uh, definitely a lot more interesting and, you know, probably better than the actual the main story. Does any of you have any uh, any films that you remember that maybe the supporting actor, maybe, or actress, outshone the actual lead? Yeah. <coughs> uh, I think the kind of <gasps> go-to one, the very famous one recently, you would say is probably The Dark Knight where a lot of people say that that's just the Joker's film. You know, it's Heath Ledger's performance that kind of elevates that film from being your kind of standard good superhero film to being so way more memorable and, you know, kind of way more lauded. Uh, it was actually, it kind of worked against the two because a lot of real Batman purists who absolutely love the Joker, obviously, because, you know, you can't have Batman without the Joker, but they says that it's maybe about too overshadowed because you, Batman kind of takes a back seat for a lot of that film. You don't really give a fuck about what he's doing. You're kind of waiting for the scenes with Heath Ledger and 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 just has performed. I think it's because also because it was so talked up before it happened, and I think especially, and it's awful they say, but it was probably a marketer or a fucking you know a producer's dream that Heath Ledger can unfortunately die just before the film was released. People were thinking, oh, this might be the last time we're ever going to see him. And apparently, like, remember, actually, this is the role that killed him and shit like that because he got too deep. Apparently, that's absolute balls. Like, I mean, you hear people talking online, like, oh, he actually became the Joker because he met, and like, oh, he's done everything. I don't understand of it, but you know, I, I understand what they're saying that you know it was a very taxing role, but also, so he had a big problem yeah, drugs had, at the time. I, exactly. I know, yeah. but the whole thing, like, oh, he, like, he was just the Joker for when they were shooting all there. Nonsense. But then I mind seeing a picture that was released of like. Him, uh, Heath Ledger on a skateboard jumping over Christian Bale so in the good. Batman costume. Yeah, <laughs> but even like there's there's an interview recently, and it, I was kind of surprised that it took this long for the interview 
to come out. I'm sure that the actual interview itself wasn't about this topic, but it just kind of came up in discussion. But Michael Caine came out as well, and he said that all this sort of mufferless lore about, you know, Heath Ledger becoming the Joker, and that's the role of Keldon's complete bollocks, because on the set, he was really happy and laughing. He was constantly talking about his daughter, who he was really looking forward to, yeah. I think, having a holiday with or something like that. And he was just a normal actor, you know, mm. on the offshoot. And fair enough, when he actually came to do the scene, he'd done his research, he'd done his homework, everybody talks about this notebook that he had, which is one of the reasons that they pointed, oh, he, you know, he kind of completely engrossed himself in the Joker character, but it's just all hard to talk to. Well, he, he did, like, what, spend, like, a month in a hotel room or something, like, preparing? Yeah. Uh, like, I think that's where it kind of mostly stem, stems from, like, oh, he locked himself away and became the Joker and yeah. all that. He, he, he was, it's, like, he obviously... You can say that about any method actor. I, he yeah, obviously... Sure, I, I, Robert was, De Niro was a taxi driver for a couple of weeks before right. doing taxi driver, so he understood that. But, I mean, that's not sort of something that you I, like, say it's, is it, just he obviously, did. He obviously did his research to try and get into that mindset to play the character, but he wasn't fucked up from it then, <laughs> kind of thing, you know what I mean? It's just stupid. That's not even the one that I want to talk about. The one that's maybe a lesser known one, but it's just probably because I've watched it in the past couple of months. Uh, Any's ever seen Tombstone? Because we're in a big Kurt Russell buzz, you know, these past couple of weeks. <laughs> big Kurt's back in a big time again. I mean, these couple of weeks. <laughs> I actually want to say Forever. the past couple of weeks. I mean, like, since I was born, probably. <laughs> <laughs> How many weeks is that? Yeah, <laughs> how many weeks is that? What's 26, 27 years? Anyway, fuck it, no matter. You're good at math, dude. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> It's uh-huh. tomb- obviously Tombstone is about you know that the kind of gunfight Luke K. Carell that kind of seminal or very famous moment in like sort of Wild West history, and the main hero and you know it's it's all kind of lore, but the main hero of that's uh, Wyatt Earp, and Kurt Russell plays Wyatt Earp in that film, but Val Kilmer plays Doc Holliday, who's actually credited with killing more people at the gunfight Luke K. Carell. I'm not going to what the actual story is, but. It's definitely the case. I mean, as much as I love Kurt Russell, Val Kilmer. 1,454 weeks. Oh, my word. That's, one, if, that's if it's exactly 27. 1,454 weeks. Well, there you go. I've been a Kurt Russell fan for 1,454 weeks. But as oh, much as I... More as much you I love counting, <laughs> counting the nine in the, the nine months in the womb? Oh. Well, you're not exactly 27 yet. Not yet. I've still got like about seven weeks to go or something like that, I think. Yeah, we'll take away seven. Yeah, we'll take away seven. From 1,454. Is one thousand four hundred and eighty. Bam! No, you can literally no. say anything, and I'd be like, <laughs> I don't yep. disagree. <laughs> no, no, because you shouldn't have added on that nine to begin with. You should because that I All said right, nine. So take, out, take away nine from one thousand four hundred eighty. It's one thousand four hundred and seventy-one weeks. Shannon's been a Kurt Russell fan. Seventy-one. <laughs> Yeah, well, it was one thousand four hundred eighty, wasn't it? Minus the nine. Oh, Why well, I was thinking, I was thinking eight for some reason. It's this mathlete battle between the two mathletes in the fucking <laughs> I, tent. You always say I'm a mathlete. You I, I, are a mathlete. No, I, 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 I know I, we're gonna have listeners who are gonna be all dance completely wrong. We said we're gonna do as well. Yeah. No, I, 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 I was, I was good at math at school, but. I have no way I have those powers now. <laughs> like, I am very bad at math. You're definitely I, a mathlete because you just called them powers. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm yeah, like, earth, wind, fire, math. <laughs> no, but it's just, I, I can't do that shit to all in my head anymore. Kurt Russell and Tombstone. Uh, obviously, 
it's sweet. It's, it's your classic sort of cocksure character. Kurt Russell plays in Wayne Earp. Actually, it's it's a wee bit more reserved than what he usually is because Wayne Earp was apparently just this really curmudgeon old crabbit bastard, but he was a good lawman. And in that film, yes, they pull it back a bit. He's not quite Jack Burton and fucking Big Trouble in Little China. Like. But what's interesting is that Doc Holliday was apparently like the sort of Jack Burton sort of character of the Wild West. And Val Kilmer just has so much fun with. He's this sort of Wild West dandy and he's got all this really elaborate wear and he calls everybody... What, what, what's he call him again? Oh, that's, he actually calls him dandy. He's all, you're no dandy, you're no dandy at all. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be the worst thing to hear as well. You want someone to give you like a sort of pun or like a really good thing, you know, an action film, but then someone goes, you're no dandy. Oh, fuck, is that it? <laughs> Bang. <laughs> the best thing is that his main nemesis in the film is a boy called Johnny Ringo. What a name. Strong, strong Johnny Wild West Ringo. name. But Johnny Ringo was apparently the other best gunslinger in the West, and like it comes down to this sort of showdown with uh, him and Val Kilmer's character, Doc Holliday, and Val Kilmer just ices him straight away. And as he's just shot him in the head, and Johnny Ringo's stumbling about about to fall on the floor, he just delivers that line, you're no dandy at all. <laughs> it's, it's the best thing I've ever seen. But uh, it, it's definitely, if he's never seen it, you probably know what I'm getting at, but it, it is definitely an example of someone stealing a film. I, I think it's like, he's like a dark horse in the film. Whereas when they first made that, the producer would probably assume, well, wait, Earp, he's like the archetypal American hero. He's the archetypal Western hero. We don't really need to do much with his character. We got Kurt Russell, who was the top S powers then. This is just going to work. And don't get me wrong, Kurt Russell's good, but Val Kilmer's just a lot better. He's a lot more eye-catching and scenes. He's just a lot more an interesting character. It's like that sort of thing we talked about before. We, the reason that Superman and Captain America had a, a kind of uphill battle if they're being readapted on the films in the modern day because that sort of hero doesn't really work anymore and I think maybe in the early 90s I think Tombstone was uh, Tombstone was 93 when people were kind of starting to move away from that archetypal hero character even though they not before in the 70s but more so now in a, a sort of mainstream film I think that's why that Val Kilmer's character could have stood out because first of all he's the comic relief but he's also sort of a bit more of a badass than Kurt Russell's character so I guess why you, you saying kind of Actually, I completely forgot what you said, but you reminded me of something. <laughs> <laughs> so you said, uh, <laughs> so said uh, Whenever you no, said no. something, I was thinking about something else. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely because it's something Shan said. <laughs> no, it's that uh, when you say like Val Kilmer has more fun with it, like just playing the character, it just reminded me of uh, Fenster from what? American Pie. No, what am I on there? What the fuck are you talking about, Biggie? Fenster from Tombstone? <laughs> Tell me what you think about it, because I would say no. somebody's having more fun with my character as well as Christoph Waltz and Glorious Bastards. Ah, there we go. Uh, no, hang on, hang on. Uh, no. <laughs> no, Benicio Del Toro and fucking... That oh, film. Usual Suspects. Hey, what's his name? I can't remember. It's Fenster. I knew I got that right and you were all, wow, we always... I thought you were meaning fucking shitbrick from American Pie. I seen it called Fenster as well. I have no idea. Uh, who cares? Anyway? But I know, like, that character really stands out because he's just having the fucking crack. Mm. And, like, I mind seeing an interview with Benicio Del Toro would say, he was just saying, like, he realised reading the script that this character didn't add anything to the plot or anything. His job was just to die first or something. <laughs> so he he just completely went for it and just fucking went completely out yeah, there. Yeah, flip you. He'll flip you for real. Oh, no, that, that used to be how me and Mickey introduced ourselves to each other. Flip you. Flip you for real. Give me a key. Give me a key. What the fuck? What the fuck? <laughs> give me a key. You fucking cock. Like, what the fuck? I'm flip you. Flip you for real. <laughs> so good. Like, but that is, I mean, that's just finish. It just shows sometimes if you've got a really good actor playing a 
piece of shit role because in all fairness, if a hundred other actors played Fenster in that film, it would have been a very forgettable crook who just died first. I mean, he was just there to serve a narrative point to kind of get the rest of the usual suspects to kind of come together and try and take down, you know, Kobayashi and fucking... What's his name? Kaiser Zombie! But did they really? Did they really? Exactly. Did they really then? Did, but, did you ever hear the thing, though, that... Like when they were shooting that film, like all the main characters thought they were Kaiser Soze. Gabriel Byrne thought he was Kaiser Soze until the screen night, and apparently he was fucking loved. And I actually had words with Brian Singer about the fact that he wasn't Kaiser Soze. Oh, uh, was it just him and the other person that turned out to be? No spoilers. I don't know, but because uh, oh, I, I heard a thing like they they all thought they they were like for obviously at a certain point until most of them died. You can never tell what's what. <laughs> you know, it might just be one of these kind of. Hollywood lore so they kind of make the film seem more interesting but, but uh, apparently Gabriel Byrne was furious because he was just convinced he was told the whole way through the script they play it like he was Kaiser Susie so they obviously shot something like a big reveal with Helm as well or something yeah. sure even that I f- I'm nearly sure that that part on the boat at the end and again I don't want to give too much away but when that certain person fucking how old is this film yeah, <laughs> like it's so funny because Sham will like spoil anything I know. on this podcast <laughs> but you know sometimes he just takes a standpoint but to be fair that is one of the biggest but you know that part where a certain character is pissing off the side of the boat mm. I think they shot that with the two actors Mm. Yeah. Just like when Gabriel Byrne left for the day, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, you're wrapped, Gabe. Brilliant. See you at the premiere. <laughs> See you in a couple of weeks. <laughs> a couple of months, please. A couple of weeks. What the fuck are you doing? It's a shooting film. I'm thinking. Like. Uh, <laughs> fucking Nazi producers get that out immediately. <laughs> Usual shootings. Sorry, continue. <laughs> what was I talking? I oh, know so you. You, you, say, you, you brought up Christoph. Oh uh, yeah, Christoph. Well, I mean, I think it's the script sort of set up in that way that uh, Juran and Glorious Bastards. Plus, well, he's the main character. He links the two main stories uh, between Shoshana and the actual Glorious Bastards. You know, he's the one that links it, and he's very funny. I mean, obviously, he's meant to be the comedy relief, and he plays it so well. And it's, he's made a career off it now. Did you say the comedy grief? The com- did I say the comedy? <laughs> grief? He definitely doesn't say comic relief. (laughs) (laughs) Well, a comedic grief is what he is. But uh, I think as well, looking at Django, I really do think that, you know... It's the exact same character. (laughs) Well, no, but but even I think even Leo. I think Leo really does dominate. Ah, Takes it away from Jamie completely. And maybe it is a sort of idea where if you have a main character, he's like a sort of emotional uh, joint or crux that, you know, you have to work through an arc, then it's quite hard to make him memorable and funny all the way through but if you have someone like calvin candy he's just yeah. leo you know and a lot of times i mean literally the first time you see him he winks at the camera mm. yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know he's that much of a character who I, just is completely on the nose being will, a scumbag well that's what i was going to say like i'd say as much as that is just because it's leo as well because he wouldn't do like a way a lot of support and stuff like if he's in a film he's pretty much the lead of the film yeah like, yeah you know what i mean the the fact that he kind of cropped up for however much of that film I think yeah, it's a bit out there as well. I think it's a mash of two things. I think you're definitely right in saying because Leo essentially never does support himself. He is always the main star of any film because he's Leonardo DiCaprio. He's probably top three, top four. I think he, he, Hollywood even something like The Departed, where it's like an ensemble thing, like he's he the main. Still, have and Matt Damon are pretty much. The I, no, that's because. it right now. Would he not be first? Would he not be the number one bankable star in Hollywood right now? I wouldn't say I wouldn't say bankable because oddly enough, because Leo is quite choosy about his roles not a while well they all but, make, he, they he, all, but he doesn't make blockbusters yeah, like, no, he, do, he doesn't make blockbusters probably besides Inception but they all make serious money but it wouldn't be the same sort of level as like your, I, your, your cruise you know what I mean no but no, but I, yeah. I, I, I would say that he is he, he is one of the rare 
things now that people go see it because Leonardo DiCaprio was in it. Yeah, you can, you can mm. be, because like. the but the whole star power thing has really faded. Unless like like if Will Smith can't fucking open a film, nobody can. You know I mean? think I think star power has faded to a certain extent, but it's still quite prevalent. But no, only, I, I, I think it's gone. Hey, that's I don't a, think so. I know that's what I'm saying. Leo's one of the few actors. Yeah. I don't even think Tom Cruise. Because if you uh, Tom Cruise can't. no no because if you look at I think Tom Cruise is the poster boy for no still able to open a phone no because if if you look at Tom Cruise's films Mission Impossible does incredible bank Tom Cruise films other than Mission Impossible they don't do that great money. I, I think suppose, yeah, I, I, suppose, think, I think he's just I quite suppose, cheesy. Yeah, you know what I mean. I it's, 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 Oblivion it's, and Age of Tomorrow doesn't oh, no. Oblivion broke even and Age of Tomorrow lost money. No, I think eventually it did kind of break even as well. Because I think that's why they're talking maybe about doing a sequel now. But that's what I'm saying. They struggled even to make their money back. But Mission Impossible, like I think it's the combination of Tom Cruise and Mission Impossible. It's that brand make, as well. Hey, Mission it's the Mission Impossible brand that's the sale. It's not Tom Cruise. But there's one as well. What about uh, Emily Blunt and Mission? Oh no, sorry, Mission Impossible: Edge of Tomorrow. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, to me, oh yeah, I, definitely. I, yeah. I, I literally, did, I, I've not seen a lot of films of her where I don't know. Was she the rom coms before she did the? Uh, well, she done the, 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 the devil or stuff, I guess. Right? Uh, yeah. Five year engagement. Five year engagement. Sorry, yeah, I remember seeing that, but you know, obviously it's standard fare, and you sort of thought that was her, her purview. That's what she'd always do. But I was very impressed with her not film. And then obviously oh, yeah, she's done Emily Cario yeah, you know, but, I, but you know, she, it's one of those things I don't think she was that capable. Yeah, actress, oh, definitely. But definitely. then you see her in something like tomorrow, which I think it really was a fantastic role she's for. She's very good with her choices. I mean, even when she was first starting to break into sort of Hollywood and bigger films, I mean. Even supporting roles like on Looper, you know, she was very impressive on Looper. Yeah, she was a badass in that as well. She was a badass in that too, but she didn't have a lot to do. She was kind of playing the stock, strong woman who can kind of defend herself. I like going to see Looper. I didn't even know she was in it. Yeah. Like it was mm. Joe Levitt and Bruce Willis. Like yeah. it was oh, the sales classic work. Paul Dano. Oh, Let's cla- not forget classic Dano work on there. I just any any film Paul Dano's in, he immediately makes it more interesting as well. Yeah, whatever he's character in, like, he's that playing. New War and Peace was new. Yeah, and apparently he's the best thing in it, which wouldn't surprise me. Um, it's the same guy who made that Pride and Prejudice and Zombies for the <laughs> 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 no, you know, um, the kind of the really popular one on BBC with Colin, Colin Firth, Firth, yeah, as Darcy. It's the guy who made that who's like in War and Peace, so people were like, oh, it's gonna. But I think not that, yeah, I love Pride and Prejudice, but like should have got someone else. It's a bit mm. dated. Will you go see Pride and Prejudice and Zombies? I read the book when it first came out. And Pride and Prejudice or Pride and Prejudice and Zombies? Pride and Prejudice. Well, not, and not when, <laughs> not when first, first when Pride and Prejudice came out. But I, I got it as a birthday gift, I think, and I remember finding it, like, I don't know, it's not very well written, in my opinion, whereas they're, it's basically, they're just inserting, like, a line, and then he set his shotgun in the corner. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, get you into the sense. So of it's the, legit the, like the actual text, and then and zombies, yeah, well, something related. Yeah, <laughs> I only got about halfway through, and I was like, I can't, I just can't read it. But I mean, the trailer might look really bad. I thought like Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Hunter as well. I was a bit excited about that film. Such a shoe. It's absolutely awful. So bad. My dad was dragged. I thought I thought it could be like something like you know what the Expendables should have been something bit fun. You know, doesn't take itself too seriously on the nose, but you know you have a laugh with it. Sort of like Old Commando, or no, even like like people saying their own like Tremors. It's knownly It's it's knownly kind of stepping or putting its footprint on those sort of B movie aesthetics, but it's having fun with it and trying to elevate it on the like a comedy, but also have sort of stylized action. And it does have stylized action, but it's just. 
two shit. Oh, the, <laughs> the CGI is off on as well. And, and you've got one of like Poyles driving a chariot through the White House at some <laughs> stage or wherever it is. It's just ridiculous. Like, but I think where those films kind of fall down is that I, they're trying to be kind of knowingly like they're trying to build on like B movies and stuff like that. But then they eventually try and make themselves like a legitimate film, yeah. and they try and do something. They try and oh no, we're a proper film. Like we have emotional depth or whatever. It's like, exactly. No, oh, <laughs> it's like because well. then it just comes off as naff, and it just yeah. it doesn't work. Exactly, and because that is then the film that's supposed to not take itself seriously, starting to take itself seriously. Yeah, and exactly. That then kind of ruins the whole facade that's going on. Not only that as well, but in regards to stuff like uh, Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter and shit. A major thing with them is a lot of the time the idea is much more than what the film is. It's like, oh, Abraham Lincoln, he's a vampire hunter. We can just do anything here because we've just got this character who's seen as being the greatest American ever, but he's hunting vampires. Let's put no thought whatsoever on anything yeah. else because it's that stupid that what people just ca- love it. Is it kind of like a Van Helsing style? Yeah. Like no, well, it's sort of like they go through, like, you know, there's all the like, old legends of like how Abraham Lincoln was like raised and certain things that went through. You know, it's, it's an old mythic character <laughs> when, as well. When that, when that film came out, my sister said to me, is that a true story? <laughs> <laughs> but well, what, 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 they have said yes <laughs> no, but what she meant was because I think in the context of the film like he actually like disappears for like a few years or something like Aaron she was wondering is that actually true right. uh, is, it, is it the same sister who told you to get up off the floor when you're watching Tremors possibly <laughs> Kiva I was leaving for you to say as well do you know any films where the uh, secondary character sort of stolen the wind <laughs> off the main I don't know I've really been pondering Stolen the wind. That's such a thing, isn't it? Stolen the wind. It's yeah. not. You took the wind out of my sails, so you stolen the wind. Stolen the stolen the wind just sounds weird. Are the wind beneath the lead's wings? Sounds like do you ever see those kind of like other names for things? And they're oh, I guess. I hate bringing up shit like this because I can't think of any examples. <laughs> Move on. <laughs> um. No, well, the only one, like, what did you say downstairs, Mickey? Girl interrupted. And uh, it wasn't me, it was somebody else, but thanks. That, <laughs> like, on point, definitely. Like, that's massive. Winona Ryder just. Yeah, it was had, meant to be a, a, a complete chance, Winona like, Ryder vehicle. But then, it was it, supposed it, to be her big comeback. But then it created, like, I mean, and actually, you know, looking at, you know, the way her career's gone, completely, I mean, Angelina Jolie is, like, one of the mainstays of Hollywood. I mean, even, like, her direction and stuff as well. Uh, Assault was her last action film or her last film in general but she did a change well, no she did Maleficent Maleficent oh she did indeed actually sorry I haven't seen that that was quite good actually I didn't enjoy that it was alright I really enjoyed Angelina Jolie in it but the actual story was a bit I think it was it was just your it was doesn't go back to basics it's your standard fairy tale story but they just done everything really well I don't it's great I don't like I don't like the fact she didn't turn into the dragon though yeah I was was waiting for the whole film for her to spoil actually that reminds me of another one that was completely I mean this is 100% 100% the topic. Uh, have you ever seen Snow White and the Huntsman? Yes. yes. Right, well, Kristen Stewart was writing this wave after Twilight where, you know, she was, she's bankable at the time. And the director. Yeah, I was going <laughs> oh, to say the same thing. <laughs> Fuck you, stole it off me. <laughs> Yeah, but I, yeah, I, I mean, just the... I you were waiting for a gap. I just barely <laughs> interrupted. <laughs> she she was waiting for a gap. Hey, hey. he was waiting for hers. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it's sorry, Kristen. Yeah, yeah. There's this one scene near the end of the film, and I think they try the hardest to keep like Kristen Stewart not from saying too much or trying too hard to act because she has to do this sort of thing where she has to. I'll give guess a speech. Said, and she's a good actress. Yeah, she's she's really great. Oh, yeah, well, no. well, she's not set up for this role at least because she has to give this speech to this uh, group of men to rouse him to battle you know it's maybe a sort of grittier sense of oh, uh, yeah, Snow White right. story 
and I mean it just falls completely flat. Meanwhile, Charlize Theron is just Charlize Theron. She's fantastic. Like, she's yeah, that's very, actually a really good example. Be, yeah, it is, isn't it? She's very, very good. Well, I actually didn't even think about that before. It just the, got brought uh, up by shit. Uh, fairy tale reimagined. Just, just us waiting for the shit. Well, there's, <laughs> a, there's, a, there's a second one coming of the, the I, Huntsman. It's, I, just the Huntsman. And it's got um, Shelley Theron on it, but no, no Christine. By the way, uh, Emily Bunsen as well as her sister. Do you know all the, about the links on it? Like, oh, also me. as well, the lead the lead actor from Hyena is also in Snow White and Huntsman. Ah, ah, ah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I told you my three's a curveball. I tell you I threw one on there later on and you just sell up enough there for me. That one was actually good though. Your first one was like, man, man. Surprise the turn. Okay, and we'll move on to our next topic. Uh, Sean Coyle. I, uh, my topic this week, and it's because of like, a conversation that me and you had, Mickey, uh, like last week. It's films that aren't necessarily great or even good but they're just very watchable. And when I say watchable, I mean that they just tick all the boxes that you need to be even slightly entertained and you will continue watching that film to the end. Now, the reason that me and Mickey had this conversation originally was uh, Run Fat by Run was on Fallen 4 like last week and I've seen that film like five or six times and I think the reason I've seen it so many times is because it is so watchable because it's not that funny. You know, it is quite naff in parts. It's, It's actually quite a flawed film. But it just does enough, right? The, and I think it's the fact as well, it's an easy narrative. And I think that when we're having this discussion, we'll find that most very watchable films just have very easy narratives. Because I have seen, like I said, Run Fat by Run about five or six times, whereas a film like, say, maybe Andrei Rublev by Tarkovsky, which is an absolute piece of art and an unbelievable film, but it's four hours long and it's about a fucking 15th century Russian priest. You're not going to watch that over and over again, you know what I mean? You watch it for the art and what it gives thee, and for maybe the study around that. But... I just want to pull out there, what, for you, are watchable films in your lives? Films you've watched countless, or maybe not even watched countless times, just films that you would happily just sit and kind of go along with, but they're not necessarily all that good. I don't know if I would say that this film is not good, but probably the film that I've... No, I know you've... I'm just saying, like, I mean, they they can't... Also, just they can't underline, they can be good, but I'm just saying that they're obviously not, you know, fucking masterpieces. But I also want to say that a lot of people probably think this film isn't very good. (laughs) Um, But I've seen it probably more than I've seen the Titanic, and that's quite a lot. And that's the Titanic? The actual Titanic. <laughs> <laughs> Titanic. Uh, Kiba Kiba's also a deep sea diver. <laughs> <laughs> um, is Mean Girls. Uh, mean Girls. Mean Girls. Sweet. Yeah. Fantastic film. Yeah. Co- countless times. I mean, there was probably a stage in my life where me and the my group of like six friends could reenact the whole film word for word. We mm. used to do it in our free periods. She doesn't even go here. <laughs> she doesn't even go to the school. Still a lot of feelings, okay? <laughs> Made out with a hot dog. That was one time. <laughs> I know for a fact you could do everything. Oh, they're all there. They're all in there somewhere. <laughs> you go, Glenn Coco. <laughs> and uh, my favorite character in that film is uh, Karen. Do you remember Karen? Which actress plays her? Blonde hair. She's in uh, Les Mis. Samantha Seyfried, is it? Yes. Yeah. And she she plays that kind of airhead blonde so well, like too well. Like it's, I even think she's better than Regina George and Gretchen Wieners would freak out if she heard me say that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, that's, and I, films, not Mean Girls too, but films, like Mean Girls. Now I know it's 
I, I think it's extremely well written. I think Tina Fey rocks. Um, but those kind of light-hearted, jokey... She's all that? She's all, yeah. Like that Slap her, she's French? See... <laughs> No, nobody I ever say that. I thought I wanted to bring up porn. Nobody say that film, though. Have I heard of it? I don't think I watched it. But, uh, I've never seen it. <laughs> I just always remember the title. It's a really stupid fucking title. It's just French. Gary comes to school. You slap her. <laughs> See, I, I totally agree with you. And I think that when I was trying to like bring up a topic and stuff like that, not only is it about the actual aesthetic of the film itself and how it kind of flows and whatever but it's completely as well down to his personal opinion on what you're short on me because I'm exactly there with you like one of my main guilty pleasures it's not even so much a guilty pleasure because there's actually I, I think be it's, proud of your pleasures I'd be proud of my pleasures if but you like them they're good I think it gets I think it gets tired quite a bit but there's actually a lot of good 90s teen comedies especially teen comedies set around like high schools and stuff like that I, I like a lot of them like I mean Orange County is not great but I really like it I the, like Orange County The Duff which is a which is our, the Duff. The Duff. I, that's the, that's only released in like the past years. Uh, I really like that. I love Mean Girls. The Princess Diaries. Bring Sorry. it on. I I like Bring it on. Br- oh, I, I really. Like I watched that on, about you know? two months ago. Bring it on's good. Yeah. It's good. Bring, bring it on. It on. Watch you, it again. Have you seen all the sequels? No, I haven't <laughs> there's, seen all the sequels. There's about five sequels. No. <laughs> <laughs> bring it on. Seven. Don't do it. Don't do it. Can I just say as well? You know, earlier on we were talking about uh, films that don't get this sort of uh, comedy, but also emotional pull just right. Mean Girls is. Perfect. Yeah. I mean, all yeah. the way through, you do have this entire idea of like, you know, who she becoming, whatever. But also entirely, all the way, it is very, very funny. Yeah, it really is. I mean, really. Funny. Also, as well, if you look at that and you think of maybe Lindsay Lohan after coming from like a parent trap, being a child star, she might be able to go on to good things because I think she does a very, very good job. But uh, and Rachel McAdams isn't it as well at the well, time. She's went on. Oh well, I, she's done very well. But at the time, was she not like in her late twenties when she did yeah. that? Yeah. Yeah. But that's what I was going to say. If you actually look at the cast that film, like so many people have gone on the bigger things apart from the lead star of yeah. I mean, like you have Rachel McAdams, Amanda Seyfried, and Tina Fey. Tina Fey, obviously, but what do you call her as yeah, well? Lizzie Kaplan. Um, Lizzie Kaplan. Yeah. Yeah. Like, she's done really well as well. So, it'll totally back the Manny topic as well about, you know, supporting actors, superseding <laughs> the lead actors. Ah, <laughs> uh, see. Oh, all with the links. Get the links. I don't like the links. The, uh, also, the, the caretaker from Scrubs is. Lindsay Lohan's father. Uh, no. yeah, yeah, the janitor. What do you call Neil? He's got like an Irish name. I can't, I can't even remember. Neil Irish man. Neil Shanassy McJoseph. All he does in Mean Girls is attempt to ground her, but he doesn't really understand what being grounded is. He's like, "You're you're grounded." And then the mommy comes home. Oh, where is she? Oh, she's way out. She's grounded. Oh, I don't know what that means. <laughs> but he 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 has oh, a, a bulk as well, isn't it? No, not no, Frisabolk. No, it's a little girl. He's in that, Cloverfield. That's Lizzie Kaplan. Oh, is that Lizzie Kaplan? Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Cut that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm good. Uh, no, but the janitor's father in the air is a per man's excuse for like a hip kind of cool dad until you get the Stanley to Ginny's EA. I was just about to say that a film that I find exactly like Mean Girls and I love that's very watchable is Easy A. Easy is so good. But Stanley Tucci is the best Tucci dad Tucci. in the world oh. in that oh, film. Oh, they have like an adopted black, black son. Yeah. And then he's he's like freaking out. Oh, watch her black. What? <laughs> he's like, who told you you were adopted? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. He's so good. It's so funny. What's your watchable film, Dan? It's really bad because... Also, they want to just commit. Like, we've just discussed no. earlier the kind of teen high school comedies. Well, some of them 
are very watchable and be quite enjoyable. So See, the thing is, though, you specifically said that they have to be bad. I don't they don't have to be bad. We've just said that Mean Girls and these are two good films. Yeah. Well, I would say, I mean, the the number one for me would be definitely The Social Network. There's just something about that film. I don't know, maybe being like a trend. Really? You can just watch it over and over? I could as well. Always over and over again. I mean, there's been time periods where I would knock that film on and, you know, for like half an hour just before I have to go out and do something. Sorry also, just before you go on this, I just want to put another definition in there, which I think perfectly suits a film that is watchable. A film that is watchable, that you've seen it so many times, that you'll happily have it on as background noise, which you're doing something else, like maybe on the internet, or you're doing a bit of cooking, or you're doing the dishes, or doing ironing. It's kind of weird, right? And I don't know if I'm the only one. I know for a fact I'm not, because then you're the very same. But if I'm doing something around the house, and the TV is in the same vicinity, even if I'm not paying attention to that narrative or not paying attention to that film, I still want someone on oh, that yeah. I like that I can kind of come back in and out of at certain times. Yeah. So The Social Network, again, is a very watchable, background noisy film. I mean, I, well, I really enjoy the film. I think as well, though, I mean, The Social Network, which it still holds you all the way through its narrative when it gets even more serious near the end, but that very open sequence where it has, uh, you know, at the very start, the white stripes, and then it goes into the actual soundtrack with uh, Atticus, Ross, Atticus Ross, sorry, and uh, Trent Reznor. Yeah. It's absolutely fantastic. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I love that entire dynamic at the start where you have uh, Jesse Eisenberg working hard to show himself up as a better bastard he is as Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah. But also, at the same time, you have all these party goers. Welcome to the first party of the fall semester. And it's, it's, it's just cringy and embarrassing, but the way that David Fincher keeps it rolling, it's very dynamic and just really exciting. I mean, I know to me it's very, very comfy, but it, it was all muted colours all the way along, and yeah, I could, just, I could fall asleep that film, to be honest. By same, yeah. I, as well, and you know yourself that I, I have a shared love of that film with you, and I think too that, Cameron and like that sort of idea that I was talking about earlier on, about these watchable films, I think a lot of it has to do with your personality, or even like the first time you've seen that film, because the first time we've seen The Social Network would have been our... Or one of our final years at uni, mm. so I think that we can identify with it a lot more because it is a <laughs> not at all. <laughs> no, no. Watching these boys in Harvard actually no, going no, to class, I think, no I, chance. I think I liked it because it was the, no, it was the same. It was the same sort of world that I was used to. You know what I mean? It was no, the, I know what you that mean, sort of university yeah. setting, and it's like fair enough. Not characters, like obviously not Harvard graduates who go on to be fucking multi billionaires, but it was like a sort of. It was more intriguing because I was currently a student just watching these students go into these massive you fucking were things. The same it, kind of part of your life. It drew me. It, yeah. I think it drew me in a wee bit more. I think if I first seen The Social Network when I was like, I don't know, 13 or 14 or maybe in my 40s, it wouldn't have had that same impact. You know what I mean? And I suppose that's, uh, that goes on there like a, maybe a sociological experiment then about how films maybe have a certain impact or embed in you at certain times when you're a certain age. No, I completely agree because it's a sort of idea as well. I mean, the social network for the dawn of Facebook, which, I mean, I'm not even too sure what year it was or Facebook really caught on. We were a bit behind, I think, because I remember yeah. when I moved to England, everyone was like, oh, what's your Facebook? What's your Facebook? And I was all, what's, what's I, your We Bebo? were still on Bebo at the time. I mean, yeah. I think I had a Facebook that Breach Gallagher posted a penguin on my wall or something. That was the only, that was my <laughs> Facebook activity for about two years until I went to uni. Mm. We we didn't really use it. I remember you showing me it one time when we were about like 14, but that was when it was like really in its infantile stages. <laughs> he was very much on top of the Facebook trends. <laughs> but you know, it was just you and then Breach Gallagher. It was me and Breach. That was it. <laughs> yeah. Poking each other. Keeping Facebook alive. Poking. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, sorry. Just why, why me and Shamrock happened so hard there is because when... When Dan said, I mind you showing it to me when you're about 14, Shan just shot me a look like he wasn't talking about Facebook anymore. <laughs> and then when you and when you said, and it was still in its really infantile state. 
you have to cut that. That's just too crude, man. <laughs> That's not what we were talking about. I'm talking about Facebook. Wait, what? Man. Oh, were we talking about Facebook? <laughs> 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 yeah, maybe cut that because I was talking about something else. <laughs> you can fucking break out. Poking. What's that? What did he do? What's actually kind of interesting too, and we were just talking about how, and it's kind of strange that obviously us talking about watchable films has went on to how certain films affect you when you're a certain age and then bet on you. But I find it kind of interesting as well that we're saying that a lot of the watchable films, and the first example that we brought up is high school films from the 90s, because when we were watching these mm, high school films enough. in the 90s and early 2000s, it's when we were about to turn into teenagers. And I think it's a big thing too. When you're usually a teenager, 12 or 13, it's like, oh, America's so cool. They've got all these TV shows and stuff like that. And it is just that sort of Americana that you see on screen. Yeah. You know what I mean? So maybe that's why we attach ourselves a bit more to like a bringing on or maybe not so much easy because that's about litter, but like she's all that and shit. You know what I mean? Definitely. It's definitely like a sort of social thing too. It's very strange watching a film like uh, Mean Girls and having this sort of sense of nostalgia for a time you've never, ever yeah. been a part of. But it definitely is something that I saw through that you know this idea you know i don't know watching nickelodeon whenever you're very very young mm -hmm. seeing a high school even saved by the bell some stuff like yeah. that set around these like you know the lockers and the sun shine corridors you seem to think it's a part of your childhood even though it's not i remember being very excited at school about getting the lot we had like lockers that were just cages with no doors that were in kind of rooms that were locked until break time we so lockers. you could leave all your stuff but then in, when you were in a certain year you got your like proper locker right yeah. But then you're expected to kind of like carry all your shit between the like four. I was very excited about getting a locker because I thought my life was going to change. Yeah. Yeah. Really <laughs> like I really, and then I got me, and it was, uh, uh, it just wasn't what I thought. I was at the bottom because I was short. And <laughs> I never get it. Never, it had a key that was always bent. Like you're always like when you're at the bottom. And someone else's crotch trying to get your books. Like, no. And what did every single teen drama or high school film ever tell you or ever teach you? Like, that, it was funny. Locker rock. on the bottom, you're always a loser. Unless you got a top locker. It was all kicked in and all, but I, I think I actually kicked it on myself. Do you know what was really <laughs> bad as well? I once got detention because there was a dick on my locker. You know, someone scraped a dick in, and I was like, <laughs> why would I scrape a penis into my You're locker? Alan Partridge? <laughs> I know. Two I questions. Know, it's, it's How and why? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? But I got attention. Like, oh, you deface your own locker. So, yeah, well, what, a dick? Yeah, I'm big and they dick, so I just thought that everyone <laughs> know about it. Michael, okay. what is your very, 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 very watchable film or films? I got films, yo. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, the one that kind of first popped into my head was Jurassic Park because I can just literally just watch that film at any I point. I agree with that, definitely. Yeah. But, like, Jurassic Park is just the ultimate just easy, easy watch film, but yeah. it's also just an amazing film. I fucking love it. But uh, a couple of other ones that are a bit diff. Uh, one's End Time. Which doesn't really make much sense because it's not a good film. Yeah, <laughs> but I like time is a good film. No, oh, no sorry, sorry, I thought you said about time. No, no in time, in time. <laughs> Justin Timberlake, is it a man's favorite as well? Johnny Galecki yeah. drinks himself to death. Spoilers. In time, is that the one? Aye, <laughs> they have the time on their arm. Yeah. That's their life, basically. And I think it's just because I've said on on the mean. podcast before. I think that kind of film is ripe for a remake because the premise is actually so good, and I just love kind of seeing all the interactions that they actually come up with for the time you know what i mean and i think that's why i like watching it the overall story is bullshit it's just kind of like a bonnie and clay kind of thing i agree but i think so. I, I just think it's i just 
You like the concept? A- any any time I see it on, I pause and, and like, will I put this on? Yeah. Yeah. And I so normally do. <laughs> like you, you, you said it there. Like my favorite thing about kind of sci-fi films or any films that are well, it's not sci- they're kind of based in the future, and especially a future that's like technologically like insanely advanced that we would never get. But those tiny wee interactions of yeah of how the, the they're like we Easter eggs for me. Uh, how, how the they're actual like, word works. How does that work? What is, yeah. Another one, uh, Cabin in the Woods is always one. Just if I see it on, I pause. That's Do you not find as well that maybe not so much Serenity. on the social network? Serenity too. There is though, and I think it is, it's just kind of standard because of how much time you've got to give to a film, but usually very, very watchable films are around the 90 minute mark. Oh yeah. Can't whack a wee 90 minute literally. What Can't I say as well, though, I mean, uh, the most watchable thing of all time, I know it's not a film, but uh, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Yeah. I mean, obviously, because it's on Netflix, you can just run through them all. But if yeah, you put on season on five, just whack on. Oh, man, I think I've watched like an old season five, probably about six or seven times. Is that least. your favorite season? Would you say? Well, season five is very good. Also, season seven and eight. So about about demons, yeah. I, I mean, like later I like on. Them all. I just oh like no, them they're all. fantastic. I mean, like, I'm not going to say one season is really bad. What, what series is Charity McDennis? That's like that's four or no, no, that's that's, five, that's, that's no, that's way later, isn't it? Isn't that like eight yeah. or nine? Charlie McDaniel. There's, there's like, is that the game, right? Aye, yeah. Yeah. Aye there's not a couple like of them. Like but the very first one, episodes. it was a later series, and I think it was like seven. Right? No, there's two of them. That's the, my the, favorite. The second episode. one's the most recent one, and then the uh, the first one. I think it actually is seven. That's the one Mac gets fat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, seven, isn't it? Yeah, that's Charlie McDaniel. Yeah, I think seven's the best, but five's very. Or maybe they just reference talking about the or them playing the game before. Charlie McDennis is my fave episode. So my favorite one is still when they go to the McPowell's wedding and it turns on their horror film. It's absolutely Aye, that's, that's a classic. Awesome. 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 Well, it's actually genuinely scary as well. <laughs> really <laughs> scary. Oh, that Ponderosa yeah. wedding thing. Aye, the Marine Ponderosa wedding massacre. That's fucking horrifying. Uh, recently we rewatched that Charlie work one where it's like Birdman. So good. It's, it's, it's so good. The health inspector's it's coming and he's going around and it's like, it's all like, Jazz. 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 Yeah. No, but you you know when they did when when they sh- shot that Birdman hadn't even come out yet. Yeah. They they They're did it because guessing. of no, they did it because of the long shot in True Detective. Yeah, shot the, up. Was it the they? third episode of True Detective had or no, the, it's fourth it's the fourth episode had uh, the big long who goes track there? Aye, like, like a nine minute track at the end with like him going through that yeah. wee sort of fucking piece of shit neighborhood. But, but and that, that was the be- that was like in that in that 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 True Detective scene. I have never been more like electrified watching a TV show. Like it was unreal. Unbelievable. But that's why you have Dennis and that shall keep on saying, all right, all right, all right. Because he's made <laughs> McConaughey. Oh, but I didn't catch that. Actually. I, oh, he keeps yeah. saying, all right, all right, all right, every time the camera goes past. Do you think that after knowing that Birdman was about to be coming out or about to be released? Oh, no, definitely. Oh, that's why they put it in the jazz. Yeah. 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 Like, but, but when they were actually shooting it, that came out. But then they have like, like Frank in all black. Like holding a fucking flute or something in the basement. I play F sharp whenever like, I say this word. What the fuck is going on? <laughs> yeah. But it's so funny though because you sort of assume then that you know maybe in other episodes Charlie's might be doing something in the background that we don't know about that the gang doesn't even care about because you know just to keep the bar afloat. I know it's, it, it always definitely very, is. Yeah, it's a very very good episode, which is really sad though because I think the new season's sort of been like more. I don't know how would you say yeah, that. It's 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 not been more like, reductive and derivative. I haven't watched any new series. 
I know. Yeah. See, I re- I think I thought it was fun. The scam one I liked, and it's fun. But the only reason I found the third episode, which is the scam one, fun, is because the first two episodes were just complete utter callbacks. They passed episodes, and it just seemed like they'd ran out of ideas. Like fair enough, if you get eleven series deep and they're fucking sitcom, then it's gonna start to wear thin. That's but true. But they've done a really South good Park, job so far so. of not happen of that not happening. But the first two episodes, I think it it's starting to show sort of depressing signs. I hope it doesn't go that way though. Me I too. hope it ends on a high. That's another kind of watchable film, the South Park movie. Yeah. I I could definitely... I haven't seen it. that in fucking years. I think it's just because it's complete nonsense. Like oh, of, of course. You just could it. just sit and laugh. So are we done with that topic? I think we were done with that topic about 15 minutes ago. <laughs> so yeah, it's all getting cut. <laughs> no, it's all statement. Um, okay, we shall move on to recommendations. Chan. <laughs> 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 That's a good uh, my recommendation is. You took a beat. Yeah, <laughs> well, that was about three beats out of me, honestly. You'll take a fucking beat and then I'm gonna fucking tell you. <laughs> hey! Oh! Ho! Hey! Oh! What's the matter with you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, my recommendation David Cronenberg, 1983, Video Drum. Like we were just talking about there now, I think that it becomes more prescient as the years go on because it is actually about the dawn of cable television in the 80s and how disgusting and how the base, like the sort of TV shows they were trying to get on. Uh, the video drum itself is this TV show that he, I think, imports in from Malaysia. James Woods plays like a, a cable TV manager and all video drum is is a, a glorified snuff film. It's a woman like tied up in her room getting beat by these two men in like kind of black suits with masks on. And I think it's tapping on the what the world is getting at that point. There's characters on there who have discussions about is this the way the world's going? Is this literally what entertainment is becoming? What's that say about us as a people? And I think as time goes on and you see actual reality TV, fair enough, we're not at the level now we have fucking snuff films on TV, but it's just kind of unsettling knowing that this made in the 80s before reality TV and it starts then to kind of lead into that. You know what I mean? Yeah, sorry. No, no, go ahead. Keep it sorry. I always have that kind of I've never seen this film, but the the whole idea of snuff films and uh, that kind of like de- debasement of like humanity, I think it's something that that has pre existed even TV or film anyway. Like yeah, I mean obviously like the gladi- best thing like, was going to watch people yeah. be hanged and shit. Like people were onto that. Like I was going to say gladiators, not the no, but it's <laughs> the not same the TV show from the nineties. It's <laughs> <laughs> oh, loved it! Contenders, ready! Gladiators, ready! ready. <laughs> God, you had the accent down, but how much of a prick was Wolfie? I love Wolf. Wolf? You love Wolf? Oh, right, fuck, I thought you were talking about Videodrome. I was like, who the fuck's Wolf and Videodrome? No, I mean, <laughs> well, I mean Wolf the Gladiator. No, we're getting a deep discussion right now about Gladiator. No, sorry, what, what you were saying. Um, no, but it kind of, yeah, so Gladiators, hangings, beheadings, even... Even being put in the stocks and publicly shamed, yeah. that's something that has. Oh, I think like we, I think we need it in some form or other, and I think, I think it's a bit better that it's on. Yeah, not. I know snuff films are like people being killed. I don't want people to actually be killed, but if you can satisfy that human urge, like not by anyone actually really dying, if you can make people feel, you know, get that satisfaction through a horror movie, as opposed to. A murder. I think well, I mean, I remember watching like Beyond the Mat, and there was a, a, a what, was, what do you call the name of the director again? Who did it? 
The wrestling documentary. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, this is when wrestling was hitting its high point. You know, like uh, you know, nineteen ninety eight to like nineteen ninety nine, maybe till early two thousand. It was like you know one of the biggest things in America, making so much money. WWE dot com was the the most viewed website in the world in nineteen ninety eight. It was huge. Were they all still WWF at that stage? They were still WWF, yeah. but you know we have to say WWE. It's only it's only PC, like. I know. Why did you <laughs> not just say we? The we. The wee. The wee. The wee. <laughs> <laughs> you, you really have to pronounce the W though. It's like wee. But wee. one of his main points was that, you know, uh, fair enough, it's theatrical. Fair enough, it's naff as fuck sometimes. But, you know, people are watching this and they're getting this sort of outlet for violence and we're not seeing dog fights in these areas yeah. that are have big, you know, uh, um, wrestling sort of cultures. We're not seeing like, you know, this sort of thing you're talking about well if you look at like a youtube now or not even youtube but you know there's certain sites out there like a video leak or live leak that sort of thing you can watch people die and you know oh, okay, you know yeah. and you're looking yeah. at you're talking about a film now that you know was released how long 33 ago? Years ago 33 years ago and now that we've got the capability for not being you know actually uh administrated by a governing body too much that's what you're seeing. You're seeing people, uh, videos of people dying. And the thing is, they've got thousands or millions yeah. of views sometimes. And it's crazy because people have this sort of morbid curiosity. And it's not it's not healthy, is sure, it? Sure. Yeah. Like, do you remember kind of, like, the, I remember growing up and uh, going on this website, rotten.com. Yeah. Right, this is probably on the fringe of, like, yeah, bad shit that's out get, there. Yeah. And I, not that I was, like, I more enjoyed the and idea of like we should not be fucking looking at this at all, but if that shit exists online, people are gonna go look at it. But it's a bit sad. It's, 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 I think it's just the most basic thing too. If you're told that you should look at something, you're always gonna have like then it's is that more of a curiosity to look at it. Don't I think push the button. Even yeah, exactly. Even going back, mm. that that's what Videodrome's trying to say, and it's a point that you've both made up or you've not, not made up, but both actually made is that. <laughs> I made it up. You made, up you, made, yeah, you made this there, but it, it is the case, and that's what Video Drone was trying to like kind of ram home to you, is that this curiosity is like, and it's kind of like an unsettling thing that they're trying to get at. This morbid curiosity, they see the bad things on earth, like murder, rip, fucking even incest, the worst things that you can think of. It's almost deeply rooted inside yourself and your worst part in every human being that even if you know it's bad, you kind of want to see it just to see what it's like, just to kind of fulfill that sort of weird curiosity within it's yourself and that's yes. what james wood's character is trying to put across when he gets interviewed on that talk show during videodrome is that i'm just kind of giving people what they've always wanted but they never really knew that they wanted until they had the medium to get that delivered yeah. to them you know what i mean mm. it's, it's weird like much like michael c hall in gamer yes ah. that's not a bad deal <laughs> <laughs> if anyone that's has good. seen gamer it's <laughs> a hell of a reference he just wanted to get the, the impression good. down i know i just i that's the one impression I can do. What's the, uh, what's the song he dances to at the end okay oh, it's been years since seeing gamer either way video room definitely watch it okay kiva recommendation uh this week i like to recommend a long way down Mm. I think that's the title. The documentary? No, um, <laughs> which it, no, that's also very good with you, McGregor, yeah. and your other Charlie guy. Who Charlie, you, McGregor, smoker. Yeah, you, McGregor, smoker. His dad was that on funny concert. Although his dad at the right exercise, or sorry, his dad at direct that deliverance, which you brought up earlier. Who is his dad at the exercise? Is it William Friedkin? Well, I, Charlie Friedkin. I, I did sleep through that. So. Hey, deliverance also a great tune. Um, no, a long way down, which is that because uh. 
John Berman directed The Exorcist 2. That's why I got confused. Uh, Continue. <laughs> uh, 2014, I think. I seen it on Netflix. I think it was on Netflix. So it's Pierce Brosnan, Tony oh. Collette. Oh. Aaron Paul. That's oh. a guy from Breaking Bad, right? Yeah, it is, yeah. And then... Uh, Imogen Poots. Yeah. Imogen Poda! Yeah, the, the, he's he's on a Poda! <laughs> that actually sounds exactly like her accent. <laughs> no, um, but uh, it's a story of these four characters who they meet on a rooftop in London, like a kind of high-rise rooftop, and they're almost having a kind of like suicidal standstill. There's a suicidal congestion on this roof. They've all chosen this night, New Year's Eve, to come up and jump off and kill themselves. Not all human traffic. Human traffic. <laughs> um suicidal standstill if you will and it's the, obviously this building is like a popular building for suicides because they've made it very hard to get to the edge of the building so they've had to like well pierce brosnan's character carries a big heavy ladder up like 52 stories just so he can put it across all the there's like barbed wire and spikes they stop you from getting to the I'm end i'm laughing but i'm thinking like he really wants to die like yeah oh yeah like that's a, you know and you can kind of get the sense that the four of them up there that they're awkwardly are banging into each other that they're not up there as a cry for it that they all genuinely plan to go up and jump off but because they've all banged into each other so I, like they're all I can't go now because it's like I want to do it by me. you know and it, it kind of gets in a sense ruined ruins yeah. their plans um, but they they kind of bond I think straight away because of that not that necessarily they might know it but they make a pact Um, their kind of thing is when when is the next most popular night to have, this is New Year's Eve by the way when's the next most popular night that people commit suicide would it be Valentine's Valentine's oh. so they're saying right our pact is we will not kill ourselves until Valentine's Day that's our pact and then the rest of the film kind of just carries you throughout the four people's lives that sounds very interesting I've never heard of this it's before. really cool it's I'm actually curious. quite I enjoyable I, I heard of it when it came out it's this, It's based on a book it's the same writer as like High Fidelity and stuff mm-hmm. who's that Nick Hornby is it Nick, Nick Hornby yeah. yeah it's a Nick Hornby book scumbag Arsenal fan <laughs> <laughs> But uh, I know, like, I've, I've seen it's on Netflix. I've been kind of circling it for a while. Because uh, I was always wondering if it was good. I always thought the idea of it was intriguing. It was. It's a very good idea. Um, the cast, they work well together, especially what's Imogen Poots. Imogen Poots. She's very, uh, she just takes over when, when she's there. She's. You know her dad's Edwin? <laughs> Ignore him. Continue. Sorry. She, she kind of, she takes over, but in that kind of. Yeah, it's it's the character's role of she she's the youngest. Yeah. She's kind of on a lot of drugs, quite disillusioned. Um so that's her kind of reason Aaron Paul's reason we won't give away for his suicide has is kind of elusive and Tony Collette the same. She just seems like she's just she's had a She's had a hard time. Yeah. And <laughs> Tony Collette's good at playing at someone that's had a hard time. Yeah. <laughs> Tony Collette's career has Pierce. been forced into playing people who are on the brink of suicide. <laughs> <laughs> um, Pierce, Pierce Brosnan plays um, a kind of like a TV personality presenter guy who. Diane Craig's soul's job. He says, exactly <laughs> he says that this is. This I'm is not, just a message for his life. Like, he's this, not James Bond anymore. This isn't the first, the first kind of. 
five minutes and that's point but basically he's all my life rocked I was flying all over the world making this amount of money and happily married but then um, all I can say is I thought she was over 25 uh, uh, and he ends no. up going to jail and, and then I think that that's his reason for yeah. so he's just like fuck this there's no way as a as a celebrity who is, be, is like a sex offender yeah. he's got not like he's just like fuck this is she, is she always just go, you know go to sleep till after midnight because tomorrow never dies <laughs> <laughs> I th- what the fuck? Girlfriend, not pulled any work. Yeah, that's <laughs> awful. I know, but I got a laugh at a chance. I'm happy I got one. <laughs> I just like I liked your forefoot. <laughs> I liked how you, the dedication did. Yeah, the commitment was uh, <laughs> was admirable. <laughs> Even though the materials absolutely abject and awful. Yeah. So, keep it summarize. B for uh, effort. Summarize. Very very watchable. Um, no, good good cast, good story. Um, it's quite. There's ups and downs. Um, I wouldn't like depression. There, yeah, <laughs> there's there's a there's a big down at the end as well. <laughs> All the way down. <laughs> I don't know. It it brought me the whole way to the end without it seeming like much of a challenge for me. You know, I was yeah. I kind of. It's good. Really it. Like it. Okay, nice I one. Would, I would recommend it. Yeah, <laughs> oh, great. Exactly what you're doing right now. <laughs> uh, my recommendation is Stick It. Never heard of Stick it. 2006, Jeff Bridges. He plays a gymnastics instructor. He, uh, uh, I can't even mind the main girl's name. It's Missy something. Missy Peregrim. Missy Pyle, is it? Missy Elliott? No, Missy Peregrim. Okay. She was... She was the main fe- uh, she was the main female person in that show Reaper. Oh yes, she was called Andy in Reaper. But yeah, it's she she's the main character of it. Like she's she's this badass gymnast that just doesn't take no shit. <laughs> <laughs> and uh she fell out of gymnastics for an unknown reason that you find out later on and it's about shit. Don't worry. <laughs> but no, but she, like it's called stick it because she's just all about sticking it to the man, you know, fuck conventions and all this fuck here. The but man. but then she she gets done, she gets done for like graffiti and or something like that. Pole vault, no, stick it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes, we're right. sticking it. <laughs> no, because that's an that's that's another thing of the name. Like you stick it, you stick the landing, you stick it. Yeah. That's a thing oh, to the film as well. But uh, yeah, so she she gets done for like graffiti or some kind of like minor kind of offense. So she's given the option of like doing community service or going back in the gymnastics for some unknown reason. <laughs> so then <laughs> it's like you gotta do there ain't no holes the, in this the, plot. <laughs> you have to do the proper legal Holy proceeding. <laughs> you have to do the proper legal proceeding or the thing you did before that makes no sense. <laughs> she was like in that housebound, like her court case is basically. Yeah, you should go to jail. Oh, you can go live at home with your mom. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so she she has to go back and do gymnastics, basically. And then Jeff Bridges is her gymnastics instructor. And, you know, it's the whole thing. Like, she was the best of the best back in her day. Like, she, she could have taken the gold, she man. She, yeah, she could have been a contender. But so, some on the reason that you find out later on, that's about shit. That <laughs> <laughs> But it, it goes back to that whole thing. I just find it a very, very watchable, very enjoyable, very funny film. It's a really kind of... Because as I've described it, it's just a stupid fucking narrative. But I just... like There's just so much wee funny bits just... 
because it is so kind of stupid like she's all yeah stick it man and then like all the other gym gymnasts in it and all are like they're all proper like by the book gym gymnasts and no it's like, we shall not stick it yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> and it's just so fucking stupid but i actually really enjoy the film like i like i could honestly just stick it on and just watch it like stick it you on. could stick it yeah. i could definitely stick it stick it all <laughs> no but long. i actually actually showed it to jello one time i think it, i think it was on netflix or something show it but uh i i put it on for jello one time <laughs> I and i was like oh what, what did you think of it and She's always a bit cheesy. <laughs> but uh, it is. She thought it was a bit cheesy. Yeah. Clean your head, son. It's always the way. <laughs> but yeah, it's a super cheesy, stu- just stupid film. But I really enjoyed for some unknown reason. I think it's like bam, bam. Watch it. DK, wrap us up. Uh, it's even worse than Mickey's, to be honest, because I'm going to actually name the worst film I've ever seen in my life. You, Shan knew this is coming. Uh, there's this film called uh, The Room. Now, <laughs> if you read around it and you like really get involved with what it's about, it's so... Not be- to be mistaken by Room. The new Cameron Diaz, is it? Or no, Brie Larson. Brie Larson, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> I, was thinking, I was thinking of The Box with Cameron Diaz. That's, that's, what I was that's, that's like five years. years. <laughs> Sorry, Jesus Christ, films get confused when you're drunk. <laughs> anyway, The Room. The Room, right. I'll just give you a brief, brief rundown. The Room is a film made by this director, writer, uh, producer completely, this boy called Tommy Vizou. He's from this nondescript Eastern European country who, in LA, he befriended this fella. And by the way, this isn't mm. the narrative of the film. No, no, th- this is this is a narrative of what set up this, this film. The Maybe the, the background would make a better film. Well, that's the thing, though. There was a book released about the film. Uh, there's, there's an actor in it. Uh, he plays... Uh, Cameron Diaz. I can't even remember. It's Greg Sestero, isn't it? Yeah, it's Greg Sestero. Yeah, Greg Sestero was an actor in uh, LA at the time. wasn't doing very well. He was working as like a sort of high market LA uh, selling clothes and everything. But obviously, he's a very good looking man. He met this fella called Tommy Vizou. Tommy Vizou is weirdo, long hair. <laughs> But apparently he's got lots of money, so he decides to make this film. And a big dick. It's, oh, yeah. <laughs> big well, ass dick. <laughs> it's crazy, though. I mean, in this film, he recorded it on two different formats. When I say two different formats, he literally duct-taped two cameras together <laughs> to film it. And then at the very end, he would decide what he wanted. This required two different crews. A lot of them quit halfway through. There's this book released afterwards by Greg Sestero called The Disaster Artist that now James Franco and Seth Rogen are making a movie because yep. it is that interesting how mental it is. This man spent seven million quid in this film and literally it is the worst thing I've ever watched in my life. <laughs> Within the first 20 minutes, there's two sex scenes. They both total about 12 minutes. <laughs> it's crazy. By the way, reading The Disaster Artist, you realize that that was the very first scene he filmed with this young actress who was 18. This man's at least in his 40s. Yeah. And crazy this, this was her first ever film as well so there's a kind of seediness there too like oh it's oh, awful but as, as the way it goes on though as well i mean the dialogue's ripped by a man who doesn't really he doesn't have a great grasp of english but i don't think he has a great grasp of the real world at all to me it's just i know i just keep on watching all the time there's showings that happen all the time in uh la show uh, d- actually no not even now in dublin, dublin as well I- ryan was that one Bloody last night our, our composer Ryan Scruffle went to a public screen of it last night because it is such a curiosity is the way I want to call it. Like I've said to Dan before, 
the first time I ever watched that film in any time since it is that bad. Fair enough, it's not so bad as good category, but it's also in like a kind of curiosity category. The first time I watched it, me and Dan both sat about each other and I said to him, it's like an alien has crash landed the earth and made a film through our technology of what he thinks human life is. It's and like is a... that it's so weird and people don't speak the way they're supposed to speak. It's not Ellen, right? It's, it's, it's well, oh my god, god. Like Chan, a, but Chan. A freak show film. Yeah. Will there be a screening of it at Bennigan's Film Club? Well, we should make it happen. The whole damn I've been requesting for ages. I'm sorry, you know, the room. I actually think it's transcendent. Because <laughs> I, I, no. I've I've never actually seen the room because I've always heard you're not don't watch it, it yeah. by yourself. Watch it with a big group of people. I remember I showed Ryan Ryan McGarrigle, the man who composed our uh, our little beat there, our little jingle to start. This is a man uh, who really enjoys cinema. I showed it to him, and he's just taken it on board. He loves the room. <laughs> I mean, he's watched it. You know, he says he watches it nearly every two weeks. And he went to a screening there the other night. He met Greg Cicero as well. I was like, man, I really love your work. <laughs> and, no, if you if you watch it, I mean, it's just crazy. It's It really is. You sort of, you get lost in the sort of thing. It, it's actually, it's quite lynching at times that you think. Uh, but unintentionally lynching. Uh, completely. I know. I mean, it's so bad they recommend a film that is literally fucking so abysmal. It's dog shit. Like, but. Oh come on, man! There's so much to love about it. That's what I was talking about. The little tiny, no, the little tiny accidental bits of comedy. I mean, there's there's this one scene. I won't, <laughs> I won't spoil it. I mean, like you know, <laughs> when uh, Johnny walks out with a water bottle and throws it around. <laughs> I'm not even trying to do an impression, but I mean, it is literally phenomenal. I laughed, and I still do laugh every single it's time. It's absurd I see. because it's it's fantastic. I think the reason that it's so funny is because it's that shit. Seems like it's people trying to be hilarious, but they're actually trying to be. See, from now on, he, really he, he's done like more stuff where he's sort of a bit more aware now of what he's done. So he tries to like, make a comedy act out of it and, you know, make money off the back yeah. of this bullshit film. But even if you watch this and just think, this is a man who thought he made a masterpiece. Listen to interviews about him around the time, and he says, I think I've made the new Citizen Kane for our <laughs> And if you watch this film, it literally doesn't make sense. And it's just crazy. I I can't wrap my head around it. And I just, I know, the thing I really find interesting, and I'll just conclude here, is just that the world's so weird. It's so out there. And every time you go and look at the world, if you look a bit more, someone else is going to surprise you. And the room, I'm sorry, just surprises me so much every time. I love it for that reason. Boom. Awesome. Okay, we'll wrap it up there, folks. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to suggest your own really bad films that Dan will just watch on his own and enjoy for some reason, (laughs) you can find us on Facebook, Let's Talk More Movies Podcast. You can find us on Twitter, at Talk More Movies, or you can email us, Let's Talk More Movies, at gmail.com. You can leave us comments, reviews on iTunes, Acast, and also on Stitcher Radio. I have been your host, Michael Breslin. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Chat goes with Chat Go. Oh, yeah. DK's been DK. Oh, yeah. Kiva Schwinney has been the Sweeney. Hey. Episode 40, baby. Loudy, loudy, look who's 40. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. Goodbye. 40 year old. All of us. <laughs> <laughs>
we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.